This episode of the Busted Wide Open podcast is brought to you by Blueberry. Blueberry offers the best media hosting, accurate listening stats, and their all-new PowerPress Deluxe sites, a no-setup WordPress website for your podcast with all the necessary links to share your show with the world built right in. If you currently produce a podcast and are looking for a better media host or looking to start a new one from scratch, head over to orbitaljigsaw.com forward slash BWO and sign up for the best media hosting and a PowerPress Deluxe site to get your first month absolutely free. That's orbitaljigsaw.com forward slash BWO, or just use the promo code BWO at checkout for your first month free. And with that said, enjoy the show. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the only two-time PWG Battle of Los Angeles champion, King Ricochet, and you are listening to Busted Wide Open Podcast. You're listening to the Busted Wide Open Podcast. Dropping the elbow on the hottest topics in sports entertainment and the world of professional wrestling. With your hosts, Nick Howell and Sir Ian Dangerous. Coming to you from the Orbital Jigsaw Network Arena in sunny Southern California. Welcome back to the Busted Wide Open Podcast, but if this is your first time joining the show, I'd like to welcome you to episode 133. Still looking for a settle to score, I'm Nick Howell. And coming to you from the new and improved Dungeon of Danger, this is Sir Ian Dangerous. Uh, yeah, if you weren't aware, guys, I did move. I am no longer in the Danger Palace, which is a, a tragedy and a travesty. That place was amazing. And I had to move into a much smaller place. So, At least it's not your uh, mom's basement, right? It is not my mom's basement. My mom doesn't have a basement, so that's not even an option. <laughs> Uh, but yes, no, I, I moved into a small, smaller place with my gigantic dinosaur dog and, uh, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Uh, but yes, I'm, I'm back set up again. We are, we are rocking and rolling once more. Uh, I, I got things going, Nick. We're back nice. together and I'm ready to talk about everything that happened this week Good in Lord. professional wrestling and sports entertainment, specifically WWE, because we, man, the superstar shakeup, we thought it was over. There was some stuff getting shaken up this week. They they threw some swerves at us. There was some character and gimmick changes. There was some some people going back and forth across brands. There was a lot of stuff that still happened. Turns, all kinds of good stuff happened. Oh yeah, yeah, yes, heel turns, heel turns. Yeah, no, it was a, it was quite the week. I was very impressed. Plus, we had uh, some stuff happening in New Japan, Ring of Honor. We have a, a big, big news section this week because WWE released its quarterly earnings, and that's always grist for the mill. So there's lots to discuss this week, Nick, but um, let's start off with some housekeeping, and we'll get into that later. Yes, but first of all, Naya says hello to everyone. She is back there. Ian can confirm that. Uh, Her legs look remarkably good for having just had surgery, I got to say. Yes, she's healing quickly. Yeah, very quickly. Uh, But if you're wondering what the hell we're talking about, it's probably because you're not in the Busted Wide Open discussion group over on Facebook. Head over there, send us a join request, and get in for weekly threads on all of the WWE shows live chats for pay-per-views, and much, much more. You can follow us also on Twitter at 
BWO Podcast, YouTube at youtube.com slash C slash Busted Wide Open. And if you want to get in on some some sweet swag, some killer perks, all kinds of good stuff, head over to patreon.com slash BWO. Sign up for one of those awesome perks to get access to Ask Us Listener questions here on the show, show notes for every single episode, and uh, even bonus episodes every single month. That's patreon.com slash BWO. Ian, I want to make sure that everybody understands what I said in my opener. There was a moment where um, I believe it was Michael Cole said that he still had a settle to score. Yes, absolutely. And he was sure. quickly corrected. By, by Corey Graves, who asked him if he was talking about Round Mushmore. Yes. Yeah. There, but to was, talk was, about all of that stuff, we've got to go over and talk about the big news. So, as we just mentioned, WWE released its quarterly earnings statement. I know that sounds dry. Sounds like, oh, God, a bunch of business stuff. But it does help us appreciate where WWE is at as a company and therefore the product that we're getting out of them. So, it's actually worth talking about because it's actually kind of fascinating. This, this is, uh, Nick, I believe you're a, you're a shareholder, yes? I am. Uh, were you part of this call? I, they are recorded. I usually listen to them at some point, but no, uh, it's usually only journalists and like the big, big shareholders that are on the live call, but right. I can go to the investors page and listen to the recording. Well, I have all the notes from it here, and okay. the interesting thing to note was that the revenue for the first quarter of 2019 was down about uh, $8.4 million from last year, uh, as opposed to a profit of $14.8 million in the same quarter of last year. So it, basically, bottom line is it's down. Their yeah. live events are down 15% from the same, uh, in quarter one from the same period uh, from last year. Uh, now, they said that was because they had nine fewer events and a drop in average attendance. But uh, the direct comparison was 11% drop, quarter one to quarter one. So everything, I mean, across the board, everything's down. Merchandise is down 11% in quarter one. Um, revenue for merchandise at live events is down 17%. From twenty three point five million to twenty point eight million, and merchandise sales online were down twenty one point four percent. So, just absolutely uh, a huge drop off for them. Where usually they've been on the up and up. So, kind of surprising, especially considering that the last time we really heard about this, uh, Vince was saying last October that he's that he's got people working on how to fix their live events, which they felt was their. Their barometer, as he said, he says they're uh, our barometer as to how well we're doing. Yeah. And the fact that they're continually declining, 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 getting worse and worse in terms of attendance numbers and figures. Uh, he said we were working on that last October, but it continued to go downhill till now. And now he says he has a new team working on, quote, fixing live events. Uh, also in the ratings, Raw was down 14% from this time last year. SmackDown Live is down 13% overall in quarter one. So, Nick, what do you what like what do we attribute this downturn to? Is this just just business? Is it as as McMahon says that we had some li- like you know we had less events and uh, or is this a problem with the product? It's a it's full. I mean the the practical result of what you all everything that you just rattled off. The stock dropped for about fifteen bucks a share today. It's a very large percentage. It was a near. It was upwards of twenty percent. They dropped from about $100 a share down to $83 a share. Mm-hmm. And it's a, that's a big number. To well, drop that being, in that one being said, a, a quick caveat about that. I do know that the shares recently went up. They, they ballooned up fairly recently. So it's not actually as big of a downtick 
as it would sure. seem. It still it still dropped precipitously from where it was, and it dropped from where it was before it ballooned. Yeah. So it is it is a, but it, it just to just to clarify, it's yeah, not over the as course big of the last month. Yeah, it's it's gone up, and I, I got really excited. You know, and a lot of that has to do with Mania. Keep that mm-hmm. in mind. Mania Absolutely. was a big show. There was a ton of press off the back of it in the last two to three weeks. We've had pretty rave kind of response to what happened at WrestleMania. Everybody was really excited coming off of it. So yeah, you know, investors will go out and invest. But if when you come out and you announce that, yeah, we're down fifteen percent. What? Yeah. That's a big deal. So anyway, this isn't a stock trader podcast <laughs> by any means, but it really gives you some insight into it. So you asked a poignant question. What do I think was it? Well, I think it's a, com- a accumulation of things. Um, I think it's the Saudi Arabia events and the bad press that they got out of it. Sure. I think it's the way that they've handled certain superstars in the press surrounding their departures. I think there's a lot of speculation around AEW and what's going to happen there and how it's going to directly affect this publicly traded company overall long term i think people are a little bit skeptical about what the hell is going to happen in six months when things transition to fox what does it mean when they when usa loses half of all of the professional wrestling to wwe it's a boon they've cashed the check already but at the end of the day it's this is a public company you got to keep growing if you're not growing you're dying so i don't know what that means really ultimately but for wwe and for fans but at the end of the day it's something to uh it's something to keep in mind you have to really stay on top of this in the sense of <sighs> everything revolves around money in a, in a company and the people that they're going to staff, the salaries that they can pay, the happiness of the superstars, all of that revolves around how well the business is doing. And yes, we've seen that spike over the last month, but at the end of the day, they just announced their earnings and people are pissed. People are unhappy. They're mass selling off their shares. They think the comp- that Vince has kind of lost his mind or kind of given up now that he's cashed the big checks. There's a whole bunch of speculation happening out, out there right now. Yeah, and there, this was definitely them trying to uh, stem that feeling. But uh, one thing that I noticed that, that they kept saying was the, they used the phrase the rising tide a lot that, uh, that don't, don't, basically don't worry. We're doing an influx of a lot of new talent. Uh, it won't be. It will be a lot different between now and September when we start move. The big move to Fox is going to be a big change coming, and uh, the influx of all this advertising revenue and all these new opportunities to create advertising uh, and marketing over the next few months is going to lift everything up. So they were very, very bullish about it. Um, the one thing that I, I, I kind of picked on, a lot of people picked on this as well, was the big thing that they they blamed for the downturn in the last quarter was what they called, quote, talent absence, abs, absences, where there were talents that were missing, they, people that were out. They said they had 15 major talents that were out on the, on the top of the card and mid card. Then that was the reason why they had the big downturn. What do you think about that as an excuse? I mean, the fact that Nia Jax hasn't been on there should be a boost in ratings, in, in my opinion. <laughs> but she know, was and, on. And she revenue. was on, Nick. She Look, was on. There's only recently that she was out. I mean, they're talking about like Roman Reigns with leukemia. Seth Rollins had his problem with his back. Uh, stuff like that where they, they missed some people. I frankly think they're overstating to say 15 because I didn't get the list of which 15 they were referring to. Bray Wyatt maybe being on the shelf. You know, They, they didn't mention whether the absences were injury-related or whether they were uh, creative-related. That's the other thing. You know, Can you count Bray Wyatt as an absence when you're keeping him on the shelf for creative reasons? So, and... 
So and let, me, and let me take this one step further, is if you're going to say it's a talent absence and that's why you're losing money, then why did you spend the last two years with your major belt on a guy who never shows up? Yeah. You know, that's, that doesn't, you have one of the deepest rosters you've ever had. Why did you not prepare to have this happen? You know, you should, there should never be, that shouldn't be an excuse. You can't say, oh, we didn't have enough talent to, to bring people to the arenas. You've got more talent than you've ever had. Like, I understand if Hulk Hogan and Macho Man are sick, you know, it's, it's going to be hard to try and get everyone to, to come along and see, you know, Greg the Hammer Valentine. But this is a different animal here. Yeah. And it's so, just been in the last year or so. Let's keep, in, keep this in mind. WWE stock has always hovered around, you know, $50 a share, plus or minus. Just in the last year, they've seen it spike up to double that, and it had sure. a lot to do with signing those billion-dollar deals. Absolutely, uh, but it's last gonna, last summer. Yeah. So uh, keep in mind, it's yes, it's back down to eighty-five. But I'm I'm still I think I bought in at twenty-five or thirty bucks a share when they were really down a couple of years ago. So I mean, I'm still doing great. But at the end of the day, it's not a hundred bucks a share, and it's still money lost. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, I'm, so, well, I'm glad you're doing great, Nick. I, talent, talent absences. Uh, yeah, I don't. I, no, that's not good enough, guys. No, if that's, they want, here's the thing: if they want to blame it on the actual product itself and not on, if you want to say like it's business reasons, like we didn't have as many shows or whatever, you know, we spent too much on pyro. <laughs> oh, oh, wait. If you want to say something like that. All right, maybe I can I can believe that, but saying that it's the talent's fault for not being there, like, well, maybe if these people hadn't gotten sick, we would have had more people at our live events. I don't know. Maybe if you know, let me let me just off the top of my head, Nick, rattle some things that uh, rattle off some things that they could do to improve the product that might keep people coming to their shows. I like I don't know, let's see. How about not having uh, improper use of existing talent? Like, sure. like, including, but not limited to, to the destructive booking that they have. They're not put, playing to the performer's strengths. The outlandish names and gimmicks that they have, instead of the ones that they actually create engagement with the fans and will make us want to watch them. Um, the way that they overwork and tire out that talent, which also creates the environment where they can't reach their athletic potential and put on the kind of matches that they should be putting on if they had the kind of stamina that they would have if they weren't being worked so hard. Uh, maybe an overpopulation of the roster. Maybe there's too many people and calling up this new talent with no creative space or plans for them. Maybe that would be something they'd have to look at. I don't know. Maybe about micromanaging the promos, overwriting of the lines, and making it so that we can't really engage with the characters. Or maybe it's not even the talent. Maybe it's the storylines that don't go anywhere that don't pay off. Off, creating expectations of, uh, that that we don't that we don't we're not going to see any resolution to these stories, which creates the apathy in their storylines and the fact that the wins and losses don't matter. Maybe it's that they're striving for these moments, these capital M moments, instead of long term payoffs. Maybe it's the the inconsistent point of view of the camera backstage. I mean, maybe we can go into the actually the, the production of the show, the fact that there's a lack of contiguous storytelling narrative structure, which creates confusion and a subconscious rejection of the subjective reality that they're trying to create. Maybe it's the repetitive match bookings, which burn out fans and overexpose talent, and also the repetitive in-ring product, which relies on minimal sets of moves. You know, maybe it's the, the stagnant roster elevations and talent not booked to go up and down the card. Maybe it's the part-timers being given major player status in events, which decreases interest in non-major event product. Maybe it's the announcers. Maybe it's Michael Cole not feeling genuine, relying too much on forced catchphrases and scripted lines and hashtags and all the... <sighs> yeah, all that. Maybe it's that. I don't know. I just a couple of things are rattling off the, off the top of my head. Just a couple uh -huh. of things that maybe they could do. Maybe it's not talent absences is all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, maybe it's not the fact that 
Roman Reigns uh, had to go away for a few months, or Nia Jax had to have both knees <laughs> yeah, down, or Roman Reigns Sami goes Zayn away had for shoulders, or Roman's whatever. Right. This, 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 is this Vince's way of proving to himself that they need Roman? Well, we didn't have Roman for three months, and so as a result, our stocks crashed. I told you guys. How about new? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, just to wrap all this up, wrap up the call, they also mentioned that uh, they're going to release a new network platform. They're going to be partnering with Endeavor, which is a streaming service, to create a new platform from the network, probably including uh, something that you've called for for a while, Nick, which is tiered, um, tiered pricing. So you have multiple price levels, which probably means they're probably going to have the same exact content, but some of it's going to be locked behind a paywall. I can. So. It makes sense that they're going to start charging more than $10 a month to watch the monthly pay-per-view. That makes sense to me. Yeah. The fact that they took a $60 pay-per-view every month or every quarter, every other month, and then started giving it away essentially for free behind a $10 a month subscription, I can see where the huge revenue gap is there. So the thing that I've been calling that I'm interested in seeing is having actual streams of Raw and SmackDown on the network, much like they do pay-per-views in NXT. I the mean, technology I is not limiting that. Jesus, and you can absolutely run the commercials and ads and everything you need to to get even more revenue. Maybe you're not getting the money that you thought you would out of the uh, the ad deals mm-hmm. with the TV because of yeah. the ratings. Maybe there's some stipulation in there that they're getting certain amounts of revenue every week based on the number of ratings that they're getting. They might have well, agreements. I don't have the but, number in front of me, but they only have like one and a half million subscribers on the network. So compared to their, they're still doing over two million, two million uh, views for Raw and SmackDown on network TV. So I don't think they want to drive too much to it, but I, I agree. I would, I would love to see that on the network. I just don't see it happening. I have a feeling that like they're going to introduce a $15 paywall and that'll be for like the past content. You know what I mean? Like if you want to watch all of our content, it's 15 bucks. If you want to watch the pay-per-views, it's 10 bucks. That's okay. kind of what I I'm think. I'm good with that. Do. Yeah, that's, that's what fine I think. with me. We'll see. Uh, they're also, they said they're, they're mulling over uh, a third hour that will be added to SmackDown Live when it goes to Fox in September. So two, three hour shows Great. in one week. Woof. Now I definitely won't be able to watch New Japan anymore. <laughs> as yeah. long as it's still 90 minutes on the Hulu edition, oh, I'm man. fine. I'm going to be a busy boy. Well, I got to watch the whole thing so we can talk about it. I'm going to be a busy boy come October. Uh, but that's it for the, the quarterly call. We have a couple more big news uh, bullet points we got to hit here. Uh, CM Punk. CM Punk made his return to wrestling, his quote-unquote return to wrestling at MKE Wrestling at the Knights of Columbus building in West Allis, Wisconsin. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> he, uh, there, was a, there was a match going on, and a guy ran in from the back wearing a mask and a hoodie, and he ran into the ring and uh, gave one of the guys a, 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 a go-to-sleep, a GTS, uh, and then ran out. Of the, ran out. That was it. And well, if you know like, anything about the Knights of Columbus, they're, uh, it's, it, there's ties to mafia there. I'll say that loosely. And, uh, you know, being near Chicago what? and near New York what? is, that's, if you're around the Knights of, yes. Okay. Anyway, anyway. not that that has anything to do with CM Punk, <laughs> nothing but to do that's all. When I hear Knights of Columbus and I just looked at that at the note <laughs> in the first time I started laughing, I was going, oh shit, hey, he's in the mafia. Someone, uh, someone that called out a hit. On the on Silas Young's promotion, he's no, doing uh, somebody a favor. Hey, uh, CM Punk sleeps with the fishes. No, so this was basically it was a match between Ace Steel and Dave Prazak, and both those guys have a history with Punk. Punk has a history with the building. Um, he that's that's the building where he had his very first match. Oh, um, and it's due for demolition. That building is going to be torn down in about a month. So 
I people are suspecting that because he ne- he hasn't said anything about it, obviously, and it's been heavily speculated and pretty much confirmed by Silas Young, who who runs MKE. Um, it's it's pretty much a done deal. Like that was CM Punk. He ran in. He's even said before that he would he would do this. You know what I mean? Back in the day, in an interview, he said that he wanted he would run out in a ninja costume and do like one move and then run away for a buddy of his in the middle of nowhere, which is basically what he just did. Um, so it's pretty much been confirmed. It makes all the sense in the world that it would be him. Here's the thing, though. I do you th- is there any part of you that thinks that this is just a one off, or do you think like is he one and done? Oh, totally. He's not coming back to WWE, guys. No, I agree. no no way in hell. <laughs> There's no way in hell he's coming. You know, there is one scenario where I could see it. It's a it's a far stretch. But the day that Vince hands over the reins to Triple H, like we all know, it's going to happen one day. I could see something happening there. But I mean, just an inkling of a potential of a maybe. You mean Vince's doofus son-in-law, quote unquote? I'm just saying that CM Punk was the first guy that AEW went after. They, they even said like that was the first guy we went after and he just said a hard no. Yeah. And this makes all the sense to me and he's only going to do what he wants to do. It's that's just CM Punk. He, you know, this, he had a personal connection here. It meant something to him. I don't think he's going to do anything that doesn't have a personal meaning to him at this point. He's done. Yeah. You know, the only thing he didn't do that he said he wanted to do was main event WrestleMania. And he ain't never going to do that at this point. It's well, never Batista came back and I never thought, I thought he was gone. And so, even he didn't main you know, event WrestleMania. So fine, but he had a legacy match or a legends match of sorts with with Triple H at WrestleMania. No holds barred. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to trigger you, but don't. I come on, man. I'm still tired <laughs> from my rant in the last segment. <laughs> oh, while you're catching your breath, I do. I no, Punk's not coming back to WWE. Period. Punk's not coming Hard back. Stop. No, it's no. fine. Well, speaking of people who are leaving WWE, uh, but going to AEW. Goldust this week announced he is officially done with WWE and is heading to face his brother Cody at AEW's Double or Nothing. Uh, Nick, you know what this means, right? What? Goldust AEW! Goldust AEW! You heard it here last... Well, you heard it here a while ago. We said this was going to happen a couple weeks yeah. ago. But it's when, official when, now. when Cody went, it was like, pff, Dustin's right behind him. Well, but also, the you know, looking at... It was rumored that uh, that Dustin was was looking for his out a few weeks ago, and we mentioned that on the show here. So, yeah, but now it's official. We Cody, we the match we wanted at WrestleMania five years ago is actually finally happening now at Double or Nothing, and I, I cannot freaking wait. So. Except it's not going to be in the cosmic universe. Thank God. I mean, yeah, it's not right? going to be Stardust versus Goldust. It's going to be Cody Rhodes versus Dusty Rhodes, Dustin Rhodes. But yeah, fantastic. Looking forward awesome. to that. Looking forward to seeing that live yes yes very nice last but certainly not least here guys last little piece of big news i did want to announce our upcoming patreon bonus episodes as they're now solidified we've teased these a couple of times after wrestlemania but we knew going into wrestlemania what we wanted these to be so after mania we want to book the next year from this mania to the next mania oh god and we're going to basically break this down this is going to be your april and your may bonus episodes where Nick is going to go over his fantasy booking for the next year, and Ian's going to try and poke holes in it and make all kinds of fun of me for the crazy outlandish things that I'm coming up with, as yeah, I I'm always gonna do. I'm going to try real hard. I'm going to try real hard. <laughs> this is not going to take much effort, I promise you. I've written most of it already. And for May, we're going to do Sir Ian Dangerous's version, and I'm gonna, it's just probably going to be a little more realistic and you know baked in reality than mine. Mm-hmm. But this is, what we're, this is a new series that we're starting called Hear Me Out. 
Oh, no, God. no, wait. Hear me out. No, hear, hear me out. It's it's yeah. called hear me out. Yeah. Yes. So that's that's. Uh, I'm looking forward to doing that with you, Nick. I, I'm very scared of what you have booked. <laughs> uh, Nia Jax is not involved. I'll no give you that spoiler well, right there. Well, here's the thing: she is out for nine months, so that's not too surprising. Right. That's but fine. Um, but yeah. So has anything has anything happened so far in the last like two weeks since WrestleMania that you think has like been close to anything that you already have booked? Yes, but to talk about that, we need to head over and talk about Monday Night Raw. Wowie zowie! Guess who's back? Bray Wyatt. Bray Wyatt has returned. Uh, kind of Bray is that you I, I don't know I can't I can't really tell if it's him or if he's uh he went on a, a quest for his bicycle the reason this is scary and I'm, I'm showing Ian right now I have on my notebook where it was written down about two weeks ago where I started putting <laughs> notes down uh I had Bray Wyatt coming back and I'm not going to spoil it what no. I wrote down I will save it for the bonus episode <laughs> that we're going to have up shortly uh in the next week or so but I will say that there were some similarities there, and it's mildly terrifying that my crazy brain and fantasy booking is this closely aligned. Well, apparently your crazy brain did. and Bray's crazy brain are indeed aligned because this week we figured out what those stupid puppet vignettes were about. <laughs> Bray Wyatt came back as the host of, I kid you not, a children's television show and i dude the I, firefly funhouse you've told me what you had anticipated bray coming back as and to me like i could have seen that happening i would never have guessed a children's show in a million years no. this is this was wild i've and i've it's already gotten a ton of views like it's over three million views on on youtube as of right now like it's gotten big numbers people watching it um it's definitely creating a lot of controversy a lot of people talking about it um, and that's why I wanted to put it at the top of raw top thing to talk about at raw because it's, it's fascinating what he's done here. Like this is, this is, it's madness. Um, there were a lot of people that kind of poo pooed on it on the outset, but I, I actually loved it if I'm being completely honest because towards say, the yeah. end of it, um, he had much like the Naya shrine behind me. He had a full size standup of his old character and he cut it in half with a chainsaw. Yeah. Yeah. This and then the other thing I want to call out is the gloves that he had. One mm-hmm. said heal and one said hurt. And yeah. there was some weird dark music that got played. I am very intrigued here. There was a lot of detail that went into this that I don't think we can really encapsulate by just describing it. But basically, he came out with a new haircut, looking very trim in a sweater and being very jolly like a, like a kid's TV host. And they had a laugh track and a kid's track, you know, screaming and hollering and having fun over him cutting his promo um, and talking about how he used to be a very bad man. And, you know, but I, I was very barbarically punished for all of my wrongdoings. Um, and, you know, saying essentially like he's not that guy anymore. Now he's basically back. You just have to let him in and he'll... You know, he, you and he can have fun together. And then the puppets showed up too. The, the stupid puppets we saw the last couple of weeks. Um, you had the buzzard puppet pop out of a box. Then you had the, the doll puppet in a window. And they gave their names. And this was interesting too because the buzzard was named Mercy. Mercy the buzzard. And if you know anything about Bray Wyatt, you know that he got his initial Bray Wyatt character was given to him by, uh, by Dan Spivey, who 
if you remember, was Waylon Mercy. He was the character Waylon Mercy back in 1995, which was a character based on the Robert De Niro character from, from Cape Fear, right? So that's where the Hawaiian shirt came from and the weird little tattoos and the, the kind of the cadence. He's from the South, right? So that was, and also you know, the quiet manner that he, he conducted himself in. So that's, that's where that originally came from. Waylon Mercy was the name of that character. So it's Mercy the Buzzard. So the buzzard represents Bray Wyatt's last character. The doll was Abby the Witch, which obviously represents Sister Abigail, which was part of the gimmick before that. So there's, there's a lot of nice little detail work going on here, and it doesn't feel like a complete gimmick reset, but like a refresher of the gimmick, um, like a hard refresh. And that's probably why they kept him out for so long so that this made sense. Um, it, and it also, so here's the thing. We crapped on those puppet vignettes the last couple of weeks, and I think with good reason. Yes, but <laughs> my theory about what's going on right now is we're inside of Bray Wyatt's head. Okay. I think this is encapsulated within Bray Wyatt's psyche. Mm. And these are all components of the board that he cut in half of his former self. These are all, you know, and this is getting a little bit, you know, metaphysical. In yeah, a, sense, but, a little bit there, buddy. Um, but at the same time, look at these are all little components of things that have been part of his character. Sure. Over the last few years. So I, I would not be surprised if we get to something a couple of weeks from now where he snaps out of it and he wakes up. Or we find out that he's somewhere else, heavily medicated. I don't I, know. To be honest with you, I, I, maybe, and that could be fun. I think, however, that this is just part of the alternate reality that Bray always has lived in, where it's just a little bit left of reality, and they, they kind of stepped a little bit to the left to deal with it. And sometimes it works, and most of the times, frankly, it hasn't and doesn't. Remember the time when he was having the... Um, the well, I remember when he, before he first debuted, he was, they were in the barn with the rocking chairs. Yeah. And it was him, you know, I, we did that for a good six months before he ever actually came out. And right. I'm wondering if we're going to do that again here or if this is going to accelerate any faster. I would love to see this go for a while. I would like to see him do these vignettes for a while before coming out as this weird Mr. Rogers kind of character. Because I'll tell you one thing it does smack of as well to me is his younger brother. If you remember uh, just Bo Leave, that was yeah. DOA when it came to the main roster, the way that they dealt with it. Um, and this smacks a little bit of that, and they have to be careful with that. The, the little kind of creepy tropes to it might help it, but they have to be very careful with how they handle it. But here's, here's at the end of the day, only one thing will determine whether this succeeds or fails. And it's been the same thing. It's been the problem with Bray Wyatt the entire time he's been on the main roster. He has to win the big feuds. Otherwise, this all falls apart if he's going to be anyone who is a quote leader or is a you know whether it's of children or of a cult you have to present him as someone who can get the job done whatever he's doing is working if it doesn't work then the whole thing falls apart it, it cuts the foundation out from underneath it yep so that's my feeling about this right now i'm entertained i'm intrigued i thought that there was a lot to pull apart from this um, I think it has a lot of potential. It's very off-putting at first, for sure. But the, and the more I thought about it, the more I liked it too. I think there's a lot of thought that went into this, which I appreciate. But if you man, haven't watched it more than once, then seeing it on Raw Live or SmackDown Live because they played it twice. Yeah. But if you haven't seen it more than what you saw, go back and like watch it on YouTube, and you can freeze frame it and look at you know the individual things. Think about some of the things that Ian just went over the callbacks. Um, because there's there's a lot going on here, 
And yeah. I'm I'm anxious. I'm skeptically optimistic. Skeptically as I like optimistic. To say. There you go, buddy. Uh, yep. One last thing before we move on from Bray Wyatt. One thing I found out that was pretty cool: the puppets, uh, the puppet and the doll made by Tom Savini's workshop. Ooh. Yeah, that's a nice nice little touch. And where the would master, people know that? The from? master of horror, Tom Savini. Or yeah. where would you find that out? Or no, like where, where would it? you where would you know Tom Savini's work from? Uh, Dawn of the Dead working with George Romero like the original guy who created all the zombies for that uh, he directed the the Night of the Living Dead remake um, he's basically the, the father of modern horror makeup you know there you go. that's so boom uh, yeah, yeah, horror nerd glasses on <laughs> uh, speaking of nerdy stuff uh, yep. we have to celebrate because oh? and this is absolute certification that they listen um <laughs> They heard how upset we were last week about this whole Viking experience thing, and they've uh-huh. now changed them again to Viking Raiders. Viking so Raiders. A, we have a, a compromise. It's a middle-of-the-road compromise, but their finishing move is still called Viking experience. The Viking experience, that which I thought was hilarious. Yeah, we had the, we had the Viking Raiders now, the Viking Raiders, that, which was a, a compromise between Vince's needing to have everything be right on the nose and their name that they gave them in NXT. Uh, so both war and machine are now out of the picture. Damn it. <laughs> the Viking Raiders. Damn it. Hey man, uh, as a fan of uh, Oakland football, I'm not a mad at having the Raiders coming back here. I'm just saying, but uh, that being said, I, you know, here's the thing. I, I, we jest that they listen to us, but this is one, I think this is one place where they definitely listen to the fan reaction. It was universally negative. Uh, all over the place. People were booing them at live events in NXT and NXT live events. They would come out and get cheered and everyone would be chanting war. And then the announcer would say Viking experience and everyone would boo the building down. So yeah, they had to have heard that. Um, Hey, and you know, at the end of the day, Viking Raiders, not the best name, but as we now know, not the worst name. A lot better than Viking Experience, that's for sure. But it, oh, I thought it was hilarious goodness. too that they did name their finishing move that just as a, as a you know, <laughs> take that. Oh, yeah, you wanted to change something. the name? Cool. Well, it's still called Viking Experience. Yeah, it's still called Thor's Hammer back in NXT, right. which is so much cooler. <laughs> but no, Vince has to. Oh, I, I meant to call it the, the finishing move, Viking Experience, not not the team. I don't, you guys Probably, obviously didn't yeah. listen. You didn't listen to me. Um, so they came out, they destroyed poor Lucha house party this week. There wasn't even a match. There's supposed to be a match. No, they just killed them. Um, so, and, and they were talking like Viking Raiders will now be heading directly towards a title feud with uh, Zack Ryder and Kurt Hawkins. What do you think now? Is this, uh, I'm of, I got two points. I kind of want to throw at you here, Nick. Is it too early for the Viking Raiders to be heading towards the tag team titles when they're on such a, frankly, weak team as Ryder and Hawkins? Um, And is this kind of how they should have brought AOP up? Aren't they still the NXT champions as well? Uh, They are indeed, sir. And they don't look like they're stopping anytime soon if this week's show is any indication. Right. So that that's the part I can't get my head around is what you're going to have the NXT and Raw Tag Team Championship. Oh. Okay, it's probably still better than having it on Ryder and Hawkins. So Ooh. at the end of the day, I says the man who loves the B team. Listen, just saying, those are excellent professional athletes. Do so not make fun Ryder of the B team. So Ryder and Hawkins. All right, go ahead. I'm sorry, uh, that man lost 260 matches in a row. He is not a anyway. My hope here is that this is the reboot we've all been waiting for and hoping for and pining for, and you know, revival and AOP and now War Rate War Machine. <clears throat> 
He's me. Viking Raiders. Uh, and all of the other... And now we've got Usos on Raw. So, I mean, a lot of this stuff is... Oh, my God. Because Could this be it? It's looking like a pretty damn good roster on Raw for the tag division now. Suddenly. Suddenly, the tag division definitely got uh, reinvigorated. And we still have guys on there like AOP that we haven't seen in a minute that we know can go. We know AOP's good. I don't know whose pot they pissed in, but... They, I don't know why well, they're not Drake being pushed Maverick's more. Pants they pissed in. Uh huh. Good point. Yep. Yeah. They that that killed them dead. Poor guys. So yeah, I, I'm curious to see what they do with Viking Raiders. Uh, if they want to put them in a title picture this quickly, and if so, if they do give them the belts this quickly, then what they where they go from there? Obviously, these guys are massively talented. They're they're coming down a long line of very gimmicky Nordic teams. Uh, hopefully they break the trend because I think I would love to see them succeed. Yeah, because they're they're really good. Um, also in changeups on Monday Night Raw. Before we get to the actual meat of the show, Nick, I know you're happy about this. We speculated on this the last couple of weeks as Bobby Roode slowly turned heel. You've been asking for this since he came to the main roster on SmackDown. Before he got put into a team for no reason with Chad Gable. You have wanted Dick Heel in a suit, Bobby Roode. And this week, you didn't just get Dick Heel in a suit, Bobby Roode. You got Dick Heel, Bobby Roode with a gorgeous, gorgeous Magnum TA mustache of doom. What are you feeling right now? What are you feeling? Uh, Elation is what I'm feeling. (laughs) This is exactly what he needed. Um, I think Raw actually found itself in a position of having too many faces. And I think this is a good move. Uh, so the the mustache is weird, but okay, I'll roll with no, it. No, it's, it's magnificent. It, it's, it's a it's a it's a glorious mustache. It makes my little Will uh-huh. Turner mustache did cringe. And, oh, that's oh, come on. I was trying to. All right, go ahead. Uh, this is very much a sign of good things to come, and I'm okay with this. I don't know if I would have put him over Ricochet right off the bat. I think as that's your a sign brand of things new to come. call up. <laughs> I think that's a great sign of things to come. Uh, they need to get Bobby Roode hot real quick. What better way to do it than to put him over someone who's really hot right now? And Ricochet absolutely can bounce back. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> see what I did there? Uh, yeah. But no, he can he can absolutely bounce back from this. I'm not even worried about Ricochet at this point. He's he's totally on fire. Rude needed a signature win. This was fine. This was great. Um, so yeah, totally totally fine with this. And I'm I'm so happy for Bobby Rude. They seem to be taking him seriously right now, uh, even if that mustache is just. That just jumps. It, it jumps through the TV, doesn't it? Yes, you you need 3D glasses to fully appreciate the magnificence of that mustache. Yes. It is brilliant. I can I can almost <laughs> feel it brushing my face every time he's on the TV. Well, uh, in the uh, the big story of Raw this week was that Seth Rollins needs a new opponent for Money in the Bank. Yes, for the Universal Championship. So Triple H at the top of the show. Triple H comes out. Seth follows suit. And they set up two triple threat matches to determine who will face each other to determine the number one contender for Seth Rollins in the Universal Championship at Money in the Bank. This in about, opening what, three segment, weeks? Uh, oh, three weeks, yeah. This opening yeah. segment was god-awful. First, you had Triple H and Seth Rollins trying to battle each other to see who could do a half-an-hour promo and hold the crowd's attention uh, more. But, at least, hey, it was, it was Seth's hometown, you yeah. know, or home state, rather. So it was, it was a fun, nice feeling. But then it just became all six guys coming out one by one and being like, hey, I what about like, me? What about me? Like just the, the classic wrestling trope when writers have absolutely zero creativity. All right, you guys all come out one by one and say why you should be out there. 
awful. Absolutely awful. They all stood in the ring, staring down Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins says, I'm going to burn it down, drops the mic and walks away. Uh, And then we had, thank God, two very good triple threat matches back to back. We had uh, AJ Styles, Samoa Joe, and Rey Mysterio, which if you look at the like just the names right there, you know it's going to be a fantastic match. It was. It was a great match. Um, it finished with uh, AJ Styles, Styles clashing Rey Mysterio onto Samoa Joe, um, which was great. I was surprised that he didn't just stay down on him and pin him like pin him with like a Rey sandwich. He rolled Rey off yeah. of him and then pinned him. But whatever, nitpicking, fantastic match. So AJ Styles advances to the next round. Uh, we Obvious. then had uh, Baron Corbin versus The Miz versus Drew McIntyre, which on paper sounds awful. On paper, that was just that sounded like oh god. Yeah, yeah. It was good. It was a good match. But, well, I read into it as oh well, he, this guy's going over. Nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Baron yeah. Corbin wins. I was totally uh, swerved. Look uh, on paper, I agree with you. This looked terrible, but I have to admit, I really thoroughly enjoyed this match. Each one of these guys trying to get one up on the other one constantly throughout the match. Yep. Trying to catch the other ones off guard. This was a great cat and mouse kind of uh, and the, wrestling match. And the psychology based on the storyline where Corbin and McIntyre have been buddies over the last few months and teaming together. And it's like, when are they going to turn on each other? And like, they're kind of working together, but they're not. Miz is completely outgunned here and how he's scrappily trying to survive. And then the finish was great because Drew gives a Claymore kick to the Miz. KOs him and Corbin just jumps into the ring, throws McIntyre out, gets the quick pin. And then just like cackles his way to the back as McIntyre fumes and Miz is still KO'd. And the audience just screams, no! Magnificent. Mine was more like, what? Yeah. Oh, I was laughing Why? my ass off. Man, I was laughing. <laughs> Corbin's shit-eating grin when he won this. was, And, and everyone was shocked by this. What? Cor- Corbin? What? So then we had a match. Corbin versus AJ Styles for the number one contendership. Well, also, hang on. Before you go there. I actually let's talk about this for a second because I had actually picked Samoa Joe and Drew McIntyre here because I didn't want to I didn't want to throw AJ Styles right back into another title picture. Sure, um, just not just immediately, not immediately after the shakeup. But I think Drew's earned that shot, and I feel like Joe has as well. But he's the current U.S. champion, so eh, okay, fine. I feel but like AJ won. I was fine. I feel like they're getting this out of the way, though. So AJ obviously beat Baron Corbin. That's We kind of figured that. We're not going to have yep. a main event with Corbin in it just yet. But it made sense. I think that they're getting the AJ versus Seth out of the way, um, and we're going to get like the heels going for Seth later on. And it was one of the things they established at the top of the show. Seth, you're the new Universal Champion. Everyone's going to be gunning for you. And yeah, sure what enough, are we going to do for the next three weeks now until Money in the Bank? That's a good question. Like, is, is this too early? I feel like it's too early. Well, I feel like they should have spaced these out over the next three weeks. So we had one triple threat this week, one next week, and then the number one contender singles match of the winners, the third, the go home show, yeah. and then we find out who it is. Yeah, I, that, I, I, when, when it's a, when it's face versus face, that would to me make more sense because you really gonna you're gonna have a hard time telling me that they want to be competitive with each other for three weeks. Like, there's not, there's not a lot of grist there, so. <laughs> Do we get three weeks of, I respect you, and handshakes, and I'm going to kick your ass, but I still respect you. Well, well there's going to be a tag match where one of them turns on the other one. There's a, there's a miscommunication, and one right. hits the other one. It's, it's yeah. So, <laughs> I, I really hope we don't see that, but <laughs> I'm skeptically, I'm optimistically skeptic. Oh, what? <laughs> okay. Anyway. 
Uh, so we had Becky Lynch. Becky Lynch, the man. Becky Two Belts, the champ champ, is back on Monday Night Raw. She got confronted after doing a promo. She got confronted by Lacey Evans and then had a match with Alicia Fox, which went on a lot longer than I thought it was going to. Alicia Fox, though, back on TV. Welcome back, Alicia. Welcome back, Foxy. You crazy box of crazy. Uh, I was surprised Foxy got so much offense in. But uh, I did like the fact this was basically built around Becky versus Lacey. Lacey coming out and running down Becky. Becky having some great responses to her. And then Lacey coming in after Becky wins the match with Alicia and giving her a solid woman's right, KOing her in the middle of the ring, uh, beating her up, beating her down, and then walking away. Uh, I'm, dude, I'm liking it. I'm liking this Lacey versus Becky thing. I don't know if the woman's right has enough. oomph behind it to be a finisher one she's not really throwing it hard Two, becky's not doing a good job of selling it and it just kind of looks it looked great in nxt for you know that level of talent but i mean i i feel like i need something more Mm -hmm. you know i much like i feel like i need something more from becky than a disarm her at least she's got the bexploder and a couple of other moves that she does really well what is Lacey doing? I mean, she's fantastic. Look at that beautiful moonsault. I was going to say, she can't do that moonsault every time. And the woman's right. I sure. think I think it's a good one. I think Becky needs to definitely sell it more. Oh, that yeah. first one, the first one she took uh, last week, I believe, and she just kind of like stumbled and like just almost, almost no-sold it. I'm like, yeah. that should be a knockout punch. That should be like Big Show. We're just like one hit and you're done. But yep. uh, at any rate, it's, it's fine. I'm liking the build. I'm liking the dynamic between the two. Certainly more than I'm, I'm more invested in it than I am in, say, well, I don't know, Becky and Charlotte at this point. Again. Um, yeah. We'll get to that on SmackDown. Oh, will we get to that? Let's move on on Raw, though. We had Sami Zayn coming out and cutting another insane promo on the crowd, just burning him down. Very, uh, sorry, sorry, apologies to Seth Rollins. He, uh, these promos are just incredible to me, Nick. Like, they're, they're so verbose. They're, he's just rattling them off so eloquently um who is he gonna feud with first is the big question here yeah th- i mean this is the thing you know you're you're on the money there dude it's like well this he's is gotta, all they've gotta nail this one with him because the last couple three feuds he's had since probably the last ko one back with last turn of the 2018 he hasn't had a good feud since he turned heel that true since he since right? he saved kevin owens from shane mcmahon jumping off hell in a cell it's been all downhill from there. Yeah, and he's and, been great on the mic, but the matches have been terrible. Yeah, and the Lashley thing that he left with as sort oh. of a pseudo legacy, just caught garbage. And that was I, it. That was that was on. that's how we remember him is is the the Lashley feud is oh poor guy. But uh, so yeah, it's gonna it's all gonna fall apart if they don't put him in a good feud. Um, it's gonna be a whole bunch of hot air and and no payoff. So. It's which is too bad because this is stuff that's like kind of like the new Daniel Bryan gimmick. Like it really works, but it he has to go then go out there and have good matches and have good feuds afterwards, which Daniel Bryan did. The question is, will Sami Zayn? Mm. Um, speaking of a good match, Cesaro versus Cedric Alexander. I loved the fact these two guys had a match. I did not love the fact that it was short, um, and also that they they basically just punked out Cedric Alexander. He took a a European uppercut coming over the top rope or coming off the top rope. Uh, for the KO. So, uh, yeah, already Cedric looking like the new Apollo Crews. There you go. I called it. Uh, but Cesaro, Cesaro having a good debut on Raw, so good for him. We don't know, actually, if the bar is broken up or not because uh, we do know that Seamus did suffer a concussion. 
And we don't know. We know his career has been on the outs for a while uh, with the spinal stenosis and everything. So he's been on borrowed time for a while. We don't know if this is it for Sheamus, but um, Cesaro going solo for right now. Speaking of going solo, Naomi and Billy Kay. Billy Kay of the Iconics went solo against Naomi and lost. I don't Can understand. I just say for a second how right I was and how good the Iconics are? Good <laughs> Lord. I'm so glad they took those effing belts off of Bailey and Sasha with everything. Wow. We've sat around them for two years Hot now take. doing nothing. And the Iconics have just overnight made them relevant. Thank you, Nick. Good I, job, Nick. I, I too, I too uh, am a very much a fan of the Iconics, but uh, I am not a fan of what they're doing with them right now in terms of booking. I'm not a fan of uh, having them job out every match since winning it at WrestleMania. That, that makes, probably, if I was Sasha Banks, that would make me even more angry. <laughs> I, you know, I'd be like, are you freaking kidding me? Um, it doesn't so what make, do they do, have title matches every week? I mean, or just have them have title matches and, and get out of them by being squirrely. Like, have them don't have them take clean pinfalls. This makes I, I don't understand what they're doing here. Yeah, you I agree I mean? with that. Um, yeah. So and and part of their gimmick is being annoying. Um, and that's that's fun. But that's going to wear really thin if they're just out there being losers and being annoying. But then yeah. somehow they're still the champs. And you're like, why are they still the champs? Well, so. Luckily, it is more exciting over on the men's side because we had a backstage face-off with the Usos and Revival, and I got tingly a little bit. I'm going to be honest, and this <laughs> oh, is one. Of, this is I'm I'm all over excited again about the Raw Tag Division. Finally, did you a feel, year plus later? Did you feel the tingles in your nethers? In in my cockles, in down my in, your, in the, in, in the sub cockles, in your plums. Right? Yes, down in your plums. Um, this was an amazing promo off between two really good teams that are good on the mic, top guys. You know. So when they when they really get into it, they're into it. But I, I think the Usos actually, if this was a promo off, so to speak, the Usos kind of stood tall here because, yeah, the Usos are, are just hot fire. They're they really good mouths. promos. The, the thing that I was worried about, well, like you said, I feel like they stood a little too tall here. They absolutely burned the Revival down in this backstage segment. The Revival came off as being very flat, good on the mic, but very flat, whereas the Usos were full of life and energy. And at one point, like the camera pulls back and you see the Usos while the revival is cutting the promo on the Usos, the Usos are feigning being asleep on each other. You know, it's the kind of stuff that The Rock used to do um, to to people when they were doing, when they were doing promo offs, like just do his own thing. You know, but at the same time, you have to be careful when someone's like the revival and they're a little bit on the edge in terms of uh, fan relatability. You can't burn them down too much, otherwise, you don't give yourself an opponent to go after. Right? You have to right. make your opponent look good too. Otherwise, if you lose them, you look like an even bigger idiot. Yeah. So, nope. yeah. I'm excited for this careful. feud. I'm excited for the Raw Tag Division again with these guys as being part of it. Not to mention, I don't know what to call them anymore. Viking, the Vikings uh, being here. And war Machine, dude. It's War Machine. It's, it's, it's War Machine. War Machine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and potentially AOP at some point. You know, that's that's a really solid tag team roster right there arguably as good as the one we've had on SmackDown the last couple of years. So we'll see how they, if they can get it right, if they can book it, if they can set up these feuds so that they manifest into something enjoyable and not just, you know, raw hot garbage huh, like we've seen. But well, since we were talking... Of, yeah, yeah, I, I got to say, man, speaking of manifesting feuds and not something that we've already seen, I don't know, Nick, that sounds like a good time to go and talk about SmackDown Live. 
Well, I don't know what version of Charlotte versus Becky we're on. Is it like version eight? I, I don't know. If you there was somebody that put up a picture in one of the Facebook groups this week where they had a tile, uh, uh, basically eight tiles with all the different Charlotte versus Becky matches we've had over the last year. Yeah, and it's something like the last eight or nine pay per views have had some semblance of a Charlotte versus Becky match. And to and be it, fair, it put it in perspective for me. They're good matches. To be they fair. Are. They are. But it's starting to feel a little bit like Sheamus and Orton or Orton and Cena. You know what I mean? You can only do it so many times before it's starting, it starts to be um, decreasing dividends. And it's like one of the things I went off on at the very top of the show. You have an incredibly deep talent pool. You have lots of people who are able to go at the top of the card and create interesting and good matches at the top of your card. And yet, and yet, you keep going back to the well and giving us the same thing over and over and over again. Over and over and over again. And this is going to create decreasing interest over time. You had a ready-made story with Becky trying to avenge her loss at Royal Rumble to Asuka. But no, you put Asuka in a tag team. You had a ready-made story with, with, with uh, Lacey Evans coming in and you could just have Becky versus Lacey. You had a ready-made story this week on SmackDown Live where Charlotte was in the ring talking about the WrestleMania main event and how she didn't eat the pin, she didn't lose, and Becky came out and said, I've beat you so many times. I beat Ronda, who's a woman you couldn't beat. Could you just shut up and go away? And everyone in the crowd went, thank you. And then Bailey came out in the middle of this fantastic promo off, and everyone kind of went, oh, Bailey. Oh, God. And it kind of sucked the air out of the room. But then Bailey got into that ring, got up in Charlotte's face, and said, you know what? Why don't you take me on because I want my shot? And she slapped the mic out of Charlotte's hand and got up in Charlotte's face. And the crowd went, oh, 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 hello, Bailey. Hello. Welcome back. Welcome back. (laughs) And then we had a match for the number one contendership for the SmackDown title between Charlotte and Bailey. And here we had a golden opportunity to give us some nice new blood at the top of the card. Let's bring Bailey back up. We just split up her tag team. Let's make her relevant. Let's have her get one over on Charlotte Flair. You can have Charlotte have an injury, whatever you want to do. You can have, you can find a way to have Bailey go over here, but no, it was a great match. I'll call, I'll give credit where credit's due. It was a fantastic match. Bailey's best main roster match in over a year. But Charlotte won, clean as a whistle, one, two, three, spear, and done. And now Charlotte versus Becky is happening at Money in the Bank, along with Lacey versus Becky. Becky's doing double duty, doing two matches. Wait, I didn't put that together. Yeah, she said Are you it. Serious? She, she said it in the middle of the show. She's like, she, well, I'm a double champ. I got to do, do, do double duty. I'm having a match against Lacey and a match against Charlotte Flair. She's basically getting military Charlotte and Charlotte Charlotte at the at the match. But what are you doing? What is what is the purpose of this? Uh, why wow. why have Bailey put over Charlotte again? Why is Bailey playing second fiddle? You could have you know if you're worried if Charlotte gets injured tomorrow, what are you going to do in quarter two? Complain about how you had talent absences, or could you make Bailey a bigger star and rely on her if someone else gets injured? I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy. Yeah. Maybe sounds maybe like you should start a wrestling promotion or sounds something. like sounds like I should start a wrestling podcast like every other smart and bitch about it. Uh, Nick, why why? This, I'm sorry. I, here's the thing. I, at the end of the day, I'm looking forward to Charlotte versus Becky because it will be a good match. You know it will be as well as I do. I'm hoping they add some sort of stipulation or something to make it a, differentiate it somehow from the matches we've seen before. 
But at the end of the day, I'm frustrated that they can't put over other talent. Not with her having two matches, they won't. I mean, no. I'm, I'm talking about, like, why couldn't we have had someone else in this besides Charlotte? Like, no, get, I agree. Have Charlotte go somewhere else, have her feud with Asuka, have someone else come along. Sorry. Sounds That's like just, what I was saying at the beginning of the year. Yeah. Well, and here we, and here we are. Here we <laughs> still are. having Charlotte and Becky. Awesome. Still, still there. So uh, the other big thing that happened on SmackDown this week, to go to the opposite end of the spectrum from us bitching and complaining about Charlotte, to, uh, for me at least, being like, yes, some fun, interesting stuff. We had a match between our WWE champion, Kofi Kingston, and uh, Shinsuke Nakamura, which, I don't know, a year ago would have been a dream match. Now it's kind of like, ah, cool. Uh, and it was cool. It was a fun match. It was a fun little match. It was all right. It was fine. It was all right. Uh, unsurprisingly, Shinsuke's uh, tag team partner and l- like a cheap mafia overlord in a suit, Rusev, popped into the ring at the end of this and caused the DQ. So Kofi Kingston does beat Shinsuke via disqualification. Uh, meanwhile, you had the honorary member of uh, New Day, Kevin Owens, as well as Xavier Woods on commentary, where usually Big E is. And uh, they jumped in the ring to save Kofi at- during the beatdown here. And in the middle of all the scuffle, Kevin Owens turns around and super kicks the crap out of Kofi Kingston, rips off the New Day shirt, and then beats the crap out of him. Beats the crap out of him. Xavier Woods finally gets in there to try to help, and Kevin Owens gives him an apron powerbomb. Mm. And he's left lying, screaming in agony as Kofi is holding him and looking up at Kevin like, why, Kevin, why? Why, KO? Meanwhile, I'm sitting at home going, it's Kevin Owens. How could you trust him? You should have known. (laughs) It's Kevin Uh, Owens. He's a snake. I think we've all seen this coming. Uh, It's just been when. It's not if, it's when. (laughs) It's it's when is the Festival of Friendship going to repeat itself? Oh, God. Or his first night in the WWE, he betrayed his best friend. This is what (laughs) Kevin Owens does. That being said, I, I have to admit, I was really surprised they pulled the trigger on this this quickly. Yeah. And I, it actually, the one thing it makes me do is worry about Daniel Bryan because the initial feud was supposed to be Daniel Bryan continuing against Kofi. Well, so the word me, on the street is is that he has some sort of concussion. Uh, the, a lot of the details aren't being are being held pretty uh, close hush, to the hush, vest yeah. right now. So it, it's that's the little bit that I've heard from at least a somewhat not ringside news or any of that other crap that's out there, but that's somewhat of a reliable source is that he's involved with in con, some sort of concussion protocol. Yeah, which would so, make sense considering they'd have to do like extra extra protocol because of his history. Right. So right. they have to make extra extra sure that he's okay. So that would make sense. Um, but do that, we get Daniel Bryan? I'm sorry. Do we get Kevin Owens and Kofi Kingston here for? Yes. Off the back of this, yes, yeah, they've already, they've already. I, th- I believe if they haven't made the match for uh, Money in the Bank, it's it's coming, it's yeah. it's guaranteed coming. It, this makes all the sense in the world. Daniel Bryan's out with an injury. Kevin Owens was supposed to initially be a face against a heel. Daniel Bryan until the Kofi Mania thing happened. Just flip Kevin Owens back to his natural state and have Kevin Owens versus Kofi Kingston. Brilliant! I'm all about this. This is fantastic. So it- in hindsight, let's think about this for a second. How fortunate and lucky are they that the Kofi thing blew up the way that it did with Daniel you know, not expecting him to get injured, but this is a perfect example of what you were just going on about when we were talking about Charlotte and Becky. Let some of your other mid-carters also work up 
to a point where they can step in and carry the weight if, it, if by worst-case scenario, somebody gets injured and has to be out for some time, a la Kofi Kingston. Look at how organically he got over. He, has, he won the match at WrestleMania. He has carried it since. It's been fantastic. We all got what we wanted, and now we're going to get KO. We get KO doing a heel turn on the new day. It was fantastic. Now we're going to get this match against Kofi well, we Kingston. KO with Kevin versus Owens. KOFI. It's great. So no, this is this Brilliant. is going to be this is going to be a, a lot of a fun feud, I think. But but that's the thing is it also speaks to you know the fact that we always complain about WWE's last minute booking and hot shotting. Well, this is an instance where not having the long term plan or having a long term plan that was malleable actually worked out in their favor. You know, this is the argument for it, is, is this Kofi mania, is being able to, to turn the ship if, if need be. But there's a lot of things that, as you said, that are, you can argue here. And one of them is that, yeah, you know what? Every once in a while, you got to take a mid-card guy, put him in the main event picture, and see what happens. And look, now you have a new bona fide star that's selling you a crap ton more merch and is getting you a whole bunch of good publicity. Boom, there you go. So, uh, also on SmackDown, we had Shane McMahon coming out at the top of the show and complaining about how just what a dastardly thing it is that Roman Reigns hit his good good old pops last Dear week. Dear old dad. Dear old dad. How could you hit Vince McMahon? It's like hitting Mount Mushmore. Um, I have to say, the best line here was when he said, uh, what kind of scumbag do you have to be to put your hands on another, another man's father or something like that, to hit another man's right. father? I paraphrase. But uh, great stuff. So Shane just being just a, such a smarmy heel. Roman comes out to confront him. Looks like they're going to have a, a fight when Elias comes in, attacks Roman from behind, and it uh, looks like Elias and Shane are now having a, a team-up against Roman Reigns, and we officially have... A match at Money in the Bank, Elias versus Roman Reigns. What do you think about all of this, Nick? Roman's first feud on SmackDown, Elias, and to and, and to a little lesser extent, Shane. I'm okay with it. Really? I'm okay with it. Oh, okay. They're not putting him right up. They're not usurping, you know, Kevin Owens or Kofi or anybody else for the WWE Championship. Period. I, I want Roman to work again, honestly, and I want him to earn it. And I, I want him to earn it for the right reasons. I don't want Roman to be shoved down our throats anymore. I don't want it to be the, the Roman Reigns Express uh, of just Roman all Roman Reigns all the time because, you know, if we're being clear, they've shifted all that focus over to Charlotte at this point. But I, I like this for those reasons alone. Are they the right people? I don't know. But I like this for Roman, not necessarily who... I don't really care who his competitors are. Yeah, I, and here's the thing is... This is only his first feud. We still have some time to get that belt on him before they go to Fox, which I'm still <laughs> calling is going to happen. They're, I, they're, I, I still say SummerSlam. They're easing it in slowly, Nick. They're, yeah. they're, they're lubing it up before it happens. So uh, it's fine. <laughs> this, this will, it's, not the, it's not blowing my mind or flipping my wig, but you know what? This is fine. It's fine for right now. I'm just waiting until the other shoe drops. And uh, Roman goes for the belt. Uh, speaking of belts, Finn Balor is your intercontinental champion. And uh, he, along with his belt, are now on SmackDown. You know who else is on SmackDown, surprisingly? Andrade Cien Almas. Wasn't he He's supposed back. to be on? He's supposed to be on Raw, wasn't he? Wait, why, why would he come back to SmackDown, Sir Ian Dangerous? Well, here's the, so in kayfabe, and I like this. I like that they explained it. He said, you know what, Finn? I just beat you on Raw, 
And I, we came back to SmackDown because I want that belt. I want your Intercontinental belt, so let's go again. This, that's a great reason. He came back to, to continue a feud with Finn. Okay, cool. And also, by the way, I am happy with this feud. Andrade and, and, and Finn? Hell yes. That's a, that's a good one. Um, let's also be clear. He's in a very you know, hot and heavy relationship with Charlotte Flair at the moment. Well, yes. that <laughs> <laughs> Who is also on SmackDown. And with him, I was he talking also kayfabe, brought, sir. Right. There, he, his valet, uh, Zelina Vega, is also in a very committed relationship. They're married, aren't They're they? They're married. Actually, She's married with to Alistair, Alistair Black. Black, who right. also is now coming to SmackDown Live. So the yeah. shakeup continues. Uh, we're settling relationships now, I guess, with the superstar shakeup. Well, so w- uh, so this, okay. is, this is the story is here is that WWE didn't want to look like the bad guy. They didn't want to be going back to their old ways of breaking up relationships they didn't like, um, or that they may not have approved of, or relationships that weren't solid. That you know they won't break up married couples, uh, but they will break up people that are in relationships relationships because they feel like it takes away from their ability to work in the ring. Yeah, um, they have a long long history of this of breaking people up um so but here obviously they're now in a new era and not only is it a new era it's also freaking charlotte flair yeah you know what i mean she get like, what she won't yeah uh sorry but uh, ruby riot's got a relationship uh uh-uh, too bad charlotte flair has a relationship mama gets what mama wants and mama wants the the cute man over there with the funny accent you bring him here um <laughs> But no, at the end of the day, so that's there's something had to give here. Obviously, there's too many factors, and the thing that ultimately gave was Ricochet and Aleister Black as a tag team. That was what had to break. So, so I think of it in the inverse. Exact. Thank you. I think Ricochet and Aleister Black had to split. This was a smart way to do it. it was with the shakeup. Take Aleister over to SmackDown. He's married to Selena, so Selena had to go, and therefore Andrade had to go. I don't think this had anything to do. Sure, it was a bonus. But I, I think it was that probably the, a combination of a lot of those things, a lot of those yeah. factors, and then just figuring out how to shuffle it around. Um, one thing that was speculated at one point by PW Insider was that Fox had requested uh, more of a Latino presence on the SmackDown show. That or was actually this. Yeah. that was de- well, that was debunked later in the week. That that was actually oh. it wasn't. It's not not the case. Fox would love to have that, but that was not the primary reason as it was first reported. Gotcha. So. But at the end of the day, Finn Balor won this match against Andrade. They now are one and one each. Andrade has now challenged Finn Balor for the Intercontinental title. You, you can guess as well as I will that that will go down at Money in the Bank. So I am psyched about that. I'm glad Andrade is back on SmackDown. I'm glad he's having a feud with Finn. Fantastic. Exactly where he needs to be, in my yes. opinion. Yes. Um, but uh, what I'm not ecstatic about is the other half of the Iconics getting beaten this week. Peyton Royce had a one-on-one match against Kyrie Sane, who, of course, is now in a, in a, in a tag team with Asuka, which is being run by Paige. Um, it makes sense that Kyrie had to win. She had to look good. But by God, man, we're going we're gonna to have another Iconic loss. What's well, come on. This feels like the revival all over again. They just, they yeah. just did this booking to the revival. And it didn't give. It didn't do them any favors. No, like they're, well, I they're don't sa- understand this. They're making their champion sacrificial lambs to new talent, and it's just it's not working out. It's, it's not getting the intended response. I would love someone from WWE, and and if we can get someone to interview Nick, or or if you find this in an interview somewhere, any any of our listeners, post it in the Buster Wide Open discussion group. If you can find anyone from Creative who can explain why you would have. 
your champions split up into singles matches. Your tag team champions split up into singles matches, losing in singles matches. What is the purpose of this? What is the purpose of, of making them look weak ultimately? Uh, you know, they're only, they're, they're quote unquote, they're only strong as a team. Well, then th- that doesn't, then show them as a team more often. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like give them something. Otherwise, people lose interest because they lose all the time. People don't Pretty like seeing losers. Well, it's like I was just Sorry. like I was just saying about uh, about uh, you know at the top of the show where wins and losses don't matter. They have to matter. Wins and losses have to matter. Or otherwise, we stop caring about the day to day. And you're love, now having them both lose on opposite brands. So yeah. you, you you had Billy lose on Raw and you had Peyton lose on SmackDown. What the hell kind of tag team champions are these? Yeah, the kind that. And lose. It's not like they're losing to big. It's Kyrie Sane and you know uh, Naomi. And it wasn't it's not even, like they're losing to champions. Yeah, and it wasn't even like right. You had these other teams looking stronger than your champions, and and we're not even heading towards a tag team title feud. We're heading towards what looks like. Sane and Asuka versus Fire and Desires, the Paige's old team, Paige's new team versus Paige's old team. So you don't even have the major storyline about the belts, these new belts that you just got that are these shiny new toys. You don't even have this, this major feud about that. So there's a lot to be frustrated about here. I, I hope that they are able to put this back on the rails, but right now I'm a little disappointed. Uh, you did mention, however, that Aleister Black is back on SmackDown. He had a promo that looks like he is back on track. Oh yeah, I I don't know about you, Nick. I liked this promo. This was uh, I, I like him being a singles guy. He needs to be that loner, mystique kind of character. That I I don't like that they had him talk so much. If that's the right way to say that, but mm. I, I almost just want him to be the silent killer. But I understand that they have to do promos. So fine. I, he it was it was short to the point. I felt though he d- he didn't talk much. He used his new Alistair voice. Remember when he first came to NXT, he had his normal voice, and yeah. we were all, we were all like, "Oh no, you have to get, use your wrestling voice, my friend. You gotta talk like this." And that's what he's doing now, and it sounds great. And he's saying, "You, you it's great because he is creating a transition point from being in a tag team with Ricochet to him being the full Alistair Black character." And in this promo, he said, you know who he is. Basically, you've met him. I've, you've, they've already spoiled my entrance. They've already spoiled my debut. But you don't know what he is. You don't know, you don't know, you know who I am, but you don't know what I am. Um, then, and my name and who I am are not the same thing. But ultimately, you will understand the tragedy of my character, which I thought was a silly line, but it, it, he pulled it off. Yeah. It's, no, it's, it's ultimately, good. it's a reintroduction to Alistair Black. I like where this is going. I'm just curious if he will be a heel or a face when he comes back out. Heel, please be a heel. You think? I think I think this sounded this sounded very much like they're going for the uh, the emo hot topic crowd. Okay. With this character right now, you know, so which I'm not mad at. That's fine. That's a that's a market. But um, and Lord knows, you know, he's got good taste in in black metal. So, yeah. um, Lars Sullivan. <laughs> Lars Sullivan. I know, I know where this is going. Speaking of uh, call-ups, so uh, we had we were supposed to have a match with Chad Gable, who, by the way, dear God, did that guy just find like the fountain where baby oil is made? Yeah, because he came out glistening. Like <laughs> it was, I swear to God, he looks like a he was like a, a greased up pig. He was completely shaven, bald. And grease. It was very, it was very disturbing how much he gleamed. But uh, he came out to have a match with the also disturbing looking uh, Jinder Mahal. 
who apparently is on a cut weight uh, regimen right now because he was looking very, very shredded. Uh, he came out with the Singh Brothers. Jinder Mahal, by the way, uh, he is back to his uh, unhindering ways on SmackDown. Yes, Jinder back on SmackDown. Only a matter of time before that belt is back around his waist again. Nope. For months not at a time. Happening. Probably not because this whole segment was not a match. It didn't end up in a match with Gable versus Jinder Mahal. Oh, no. <laughs> this was Lars Sullivan coming out to murder Chad Gable from behind, jump in the ring. Jinder throws the Singh brothers at Lars. Lars murders them. Our truth runs out to avenge himself from the week before. Lars murders him and then stands tall and screams at everybody. Um, so far, so good for Lars Sullivan or so far, so mediocre? Uh, the latter. Uh, oh, but I think so. You've but, turned from last week. Last week you were happy. You were you were bullish last week. Well, I I'm, I still am for the record. Uh, but it's more of okay. We've seen this. We know he hurts people. Uh, let's move on and let's actually establish a running feud here. I could he have a match with a Chad Gable? You know, could Chad Gable have that kind of small guy underdog David and Goliath story. Yeah. Cause Chad could probably pick up and throw Lars around just to get a little offense in. And I think Chad would be a good opponent to, for him to go over. I'm going to disagree because I think that I, I would, I want to see Chad win <laughs> and he's not going to win uh, against yeah. Lars Sullivan. Lars Sullivan's going to beat him straight up. Yeah. And if that happens, so look, it doesn't matter until we get Lars and Braun together. It, it really, that's what it's know, all about. I say, keep Lars as follow, far away from Braun as possible. Braun will tower over him and make him look even worse uh i think keep like that's that's why they have them on different brands you need to have a monster on each brand lars can be the the monster of smackdown you don't put them together um unless they want you want to have them be a big old tag team somewhere down the road but i would absolutely not have them in a feud because mm-hmm. it'll make lars look terrible you have I'm just put, thinking of survivor series later this year <laughs> mm. nick likes the big men's big, yes. big sweaty men's but uh, so yes, that was a that was Lars Sullivan once again doing his Lars Sullivan thing, and Lars that being was Lars. and that was the uh, that was the WWE main roster this week. I have to say some uh, some very interesting shifts. They're doing a lot of fun new things, and then there's Charlotte and Becky. So uh, yeah, uh, overall uh, a decent week of programming. But Nick, we are nowhere near done. We've got New Japan, we've got Ring of Honor, we've got 205 Live, we got listener questions all coming up on the wide world of wrestling. Well, I'm going to pat myself on the back over here because I've been calling it for some time. Enter the rise of Jackson Riker. Oh, my God. Here it comes, folks. I've I've been... You you guys that have been listening know. Here it comes. And I've been saying Blake and Cutler are means to an end. They are, there is no way in hell they're going to carry that. They are there to be goons for Jackson Riker, much like they, we, they were cheerleaders this week, but we got to see Jackson Riker faced off against your superhero, Umberto Carrillo. My boy, Umberto yeah. Carrillo, yes, I, who I think is, is really the one who's going to be a superstar in the future. Uh, the rise of Jackson Riker is rising but, like my bile. I got to tell you, you know, this, this was a, to, I don't want to shit on this too much because there was a lot to unpack that happened in this match, and it set up a lot of really good things um, across brands uh, for the tag division, for Riker individually. There were a lot of good things that happened in this match, and it was a decent match between the two of them. I have to, well, I won't, it wasn't a decent match. It was Carrillo doing a bunch of high-flying moves, Riker selling a bit, and then ultimately when he couldn't keep up with Carrillo, 
beating him down, throwing him out of the ring, and starting to brawl outside the ring. So it was fun. It was effective. Yeah. Um, and ultimately, the Forgotten Sons and Riker beating up Carrillo out in the stands. When along came... After the countout. After the countout. And then uh, Birch and Lorcan coming in for the save, grabbing chairs and chasing him off. I have to say, the brawl at the end, that was exciting. That was good stuff. I like this. I, I'm curious if it's going to be Carrillo and Lorcan and Birch against these three, against the Forgotten Sons and Jackson Riker. Um, because if so, all right, I'm, I'm mildly interested. I, I feel like the, uh, the Britain Brawlers and Forgotten Sons could put on a good match. Um, I don't think Jackson Riker is going to put on a, I was ever going to put on a good match with Humberto Carrillo. Carrillo is going to carry him. Well, just like he did here. Oh, come but, on. Um, watch the match. Tell me I'm lying. But uh, at, lying. The, at the end, okay. At the end of the day, as you said, the interesting aspect here is Carrillo and Lorcan both on 205 Live now. And the question is, do we see any brand crossover? Or is this just strictly, are they having two different storylines on each show? Which is fine, too, if they do that. Um, at the end of the day, I did not see this as them making a big deal out of Jackson Riker. To me, it seems like he's going to be the guy who's heating up Carrillo here as the big bully. So I'm, I'm very curious to see where they go with this. Mm. I can't wait till they put that NXT championship on him. And moving on, it, moving on. Uh, move it to oh Carrillo. Yes, I agree. I will love to no, see Carrillo no, being the NXT not champion. Carrillo. Moving he on. Might, maybe 205 or Cruiserweight champion. Sure. Uh, uh, yeah, I can see that too. Uh, we had uh, women's tag team action, Vanessa Bourne and Aaliyah versus Candice LeRae and Casey Catanzaro. They've, they've joined up. Uh, Candice LeRae was getting bullied by Vanessa Bourne and Aaliyah, and she got a new tag team partner. I like that. I like Casey and Candice. Uh, largely for, for reasons both in kayfabe and out of kayfabe. In kayfabe, they look like you know this spunky, very wholesome, kind of cute connection. Uh, outside of kayfabe, Candice is probably one of the best women's wrestlers they have there, at least the most experienced. And so if you put one of their least experienced, but obviously incredibly athletically talented with Casey yeah. Catanzaro, I think you have the potential of having some real dividends paying off here. The Ninja Warrior herself. Uh, yeah. The, yeah. There's, there's no amount of athletics that that girl is not capable of. You know, it's, some of the stuff we've seen her do in her short time is phenomenal, especially yeah. in the Mae Young Classic. So that was, I agree. I love this pairing. I, I still can't get behind Vanessa Bourne and Aaliyah. And I don't know if that's just because I'm just burnt out on them at this point, but it's just, it's so bad. It's funny. It they're just, getting, to me, they, they're getting better to me. They're definitely not, they're never going to be, you know, elite or anything, but they're, they're getting better. They, they're understanding their gimmicks more. They're wrestling within their lanes more. You know, this was actually a decent match across the board. A Candace came in and looked like the best thing and there was, but oh God, yeah. you know, but it was it was a decent match, so I was actually pretty happy with the progress of uh, of Vanessa Bourne and Aaliyah. Casey obviously still very green, but as you yep. said, ridiculously athletic. Um, I actually I heard a funny joke the other day about her and Ricochet uh, when they're home. The floor is always lava. Oh man, that's funny. That is the <laughs> idea of them just bouncing all over the place. It, it, I, I honestly think that's actually how it is. They probably parkour their way into their window to get home. Um, so, yeah, I, I thought this was a great uh, setup for the future. So I'm looking forward to seeing what they're doing with uh, Casey and Candice down the road. Yep. But I'm also looking forward to seeing what they're doing with another guy who was announced to have a match next week. His first match in WWE, Kushida has come to town. Woo. Finally, finally, Kushida 
is here. Kushida is in NXT, and uh, Nick, I believe I called this last two weeks ago? Two weeks ago, I think I called this. His first opponent? Cassius Ono. Cassius Ono. I knew it. I knew it. Great so, spot behind backstage in uh, the general manager's office. William Regal seriously, like, fawning over Kushida oh, and put how him good he so is. Hard. Put him over so and, hard. Yeah, and then we had a kind of a smug Cassius Ono come in and go, hey, how about me for that first match? <laughs> yeah, and I've been, that sounds I've been, like a good idea, actually. I've been tearing it up in that British style. You know, I also know that high-flying Japanese style as well. Uh, perhaps <laughs> you'd like to have me be the first match against Kushida. <laughs> Yeah, that was good stuff. I liked, uh, I liked all this. It was really shocking how hard they put over Kushida with Regal even going on record as saying Kushida could be a champ within a year. That's huge. Yep. That's real big. That hits um, at what they've got planned for him, for sure. Damn. <laughs> well, let's... Okay, so let's, let's unpack that a little bit. Look at what... The, the, so NXT has basically just been pillaged, the, the roster yes. there. Um, so if we look at like what's beyond Velveteen Dream, Gargano, Undisputed Era, Matt Riddle, right? Matt Riddle, uh, right? So Dijak, what's next? Keith Lee. Yeah. So no. we're looking at the next ge- next generation of NXT being Dijak, Keith Lee, Riddle, um, uh, oh my Kushida. God. It's just, it's going to be amazing, dude. Oh, uh, Kushida Riddle. Oh, I want it. Oh, I want it. Oh, I want it in NXT. Oh, it's going to happen. Uh, so, yeah, I'm very excited, too. Also, I was excited when the uh, the tag team match, the men's tag team match happened this week. The Street Profits versus the War Raiders, as they are still called in NXT. Damn it. We can still call them the Wall Waiters. It's still, Nick, it's still happening. They're still it's the still, champs. They're still Hanson and Rowe. Oh, thank God. Uh, they're not whatever it is, Ivar and Eric on the, oh, God, it's- the main roster. It's because it was recorded four weeks ago. Shut your hole, Nick. Let me have it for a little <laughs> longer. Uh, this was awesome. This actually started off so hot. The War Raiders came out. Street Profits already in the ring. War Raiders come out, do their entrance. They're walking down the ramp. And goddamn Montez Ford does a tope con hilo over the damn cameraman who's sitting at the bottom of the ramp and onto the War Raiders. It's, it just looks like he comes out of nowhere. Take when that, Ricochet. This. Holy crap. By the way, can I get Ricochet versus Montez Ford in a singles match? Just a one-off, please. One of them, one of them will end up landing on the moon. This, <laughs> because he then threw them into the ring. They beat up the War Raiders for a second, and he pulled off one of his frog splashes, went through the dam. He was 15 feet in the air. No, I, I, usually they use hyperbole. I think he might have been 15 so there feet was, in the air. There was a point, and this was a fantastic match, by the way. This is this might be the best match I've seen the Street Profits have in their time in NXT. I would agree. Um, because there was a point in the match where I went, probably about halfway through, where I was just going, oh, this is okay, so they're actually going to put over Street Profits here to be the next tag team champion so War Raiders can go off and do their thing on the main roster. Nope. 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 Raiders War Raiders re- are still Raiders retain. somehow... Your tag team champions, even though they're entering into a tag team feud on the main roster. Yeah. Well, they're going to split their time for a little bit, I guess. But what I liked about this was the, the story that the match told. Street Profits starting off hot, knowing they can't be in a long match with War Raiders because they'll get ground down by these guys. And they almost, my God, that the pin he got after that frog splash was 2.99999. It popped that crowd so hard. It was brilliant. Perfect. Popped kick me. Out. I almost exploded. Perfect. <laughs> perfect kick out. The sell by Montez Ford was fantastic on it. It was beautiful. But then 
Sure enough, they got into a long match with the Raiders and the, and the Warriors ground them down. And that was the story of the match. It was great. It was perfectly told. The Street Profits knew they couldn't last in a long match. Then they were forced to fight in a long match and they lost. Great. Good stuff. Puts the Warriors over as being monsters, puts the Street Profits, Profits over as being smart and having lots of energy. And they looked great in the match. Um, my favorite spot, of course, was when Montez Ford was sitting in the corner and they did the, um, the spot where, uh, where Roe picks up Hanson and drops him butt first onto the guy in the corner. And Montez Ford screams like a girl as that huge sweaty butt's coming his way. Yeah, the big old sweat spot right in his, right in his crack. Uh, uh, yeah, he even had a big sweat spot uh, this week, too. Montez Ford's eyes go wide. He goes, ah! <laughs> Gorgeous. Fantastic. Loved this uh, match. But it was not the last match on the show. The last match on the show was Johnny Gargano versus Roderick Strong. We had a quick promo from Mia Yim, who's probably going to face Shayna Baszler again. Uh, we'll see what happens there. I, I don't right. read anything into it beyond the promo, but Gargano versus Strong was a great match. It was too bad it was a, it was kind of a muddled finish, but it was a, also it was heading towards being a great match. We knew it would be. Those two guys are are absolute clinicians. Yeah, Clinish, clinicians. Hey, can we just comment on clinicians? The, clinicians. the backstage clinicians. thing between the photo shoot between Adam Cole and Matt Riddle. I uh, I got the little goosies a little bit. I'm not gonna lie. Cole Cole, Cole. versus Riddle. Oh yeah. Oh. I'll, I'll watch that. I'll take yes, that please. for a dollar. I actually have chill bumps on my neck right now thinking yeah. about that match. Bring it on, please. Well, Riddle, uh, did, the, Riddle did the, get involved in the finish here. Yes, the story here is the potential breakup of part of the Undisputed Era with Roderick Strong getting kicked back to his trailer park. You know, it's it's is he done? Is he out of Undisputed Era? Because now you've got Cole. He's kind of confused and worried about somebody else getting title opportunities against Gargano when he couldn't get the job done. And now you've got Matt Riddle making fun of him, so he's got to go off and feud with him. Undisputed Era, or Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly are kind of looking at Roderick Strong going, dude, why are you even here? There's all kinds of stuff going on yeah. in this circle they're, right they're now. They're getting lots of detail work into the fracturing of Undisputed Era, if you will. Matt Riddle circling Adam Cole like he's looking for a feud with him. I'm not really sure who Gargano's going to feud with out of these guys. I'm not sure if, if Riddle's going to turn heel, if we're going to see a, a fatal four-way, a three-way, what we're going to see, but I don't care. Any combination of these guys, and I'm happy. No, I think we're getting a new NXT champion by the time we get to take over, what is it, is it Brooklyn uh, at SummerSlam? I believe it is Brooklyn. I, I think it's going to be Dream. I think that's how we're going to get there, but well, I don't know. Have to, I think Gargano is going to go going to go up, and I, he's had his little NXT title reign, and he finished the story as best as it could after Ciampa got injured. I, I think we're going to move on after. You that. want Johnny Gargano to go up to the main roster? Why would you wish that evil on him, sir? I want him to go to Two Hundred Five Live. Oh my God! Well, speaking of Two Hundred Five Live, we did have a, an episode this week that was fairly entertaining. Humberto Carrillo finally beat Drew Gulak. Wait, my, wait, 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 boy. wait! You you can't start Two Hundred Five Live without talking about that baller cold open from Drew Gulak standing at his podium uh, and everything that he had to say there because that was absolutely fantastic. And just closing it out with finally that cruiserweight championship will be around my waist and fading to black and kid. Oh, so. Drew Gulak he is, is so amazing. Money. He's so money. He he could he's literally I, I don't think he'll ever need to leave WWE between being able to teach people how to wrestle, being able to teach people how to promo, could be going to commentary. He's he's he is the full package. The yeah. dude is the full package. He did lose to Umberto Carrillo shortly after having that speech though and saying he was gonna <laughs> win. But you know, hey, that's okay. He's Coach over, Gulak. Putting over the new guy. That's yeah. fine. Uh, we also look like we're going to be continuing the feud between uh, Akira Tozawa and Mike Bennett, uh, Kanellis. 
uh, because uh, Brian Kendrick came in and distracted uh, Mike Bennett uh, Canellis and Tozawa beat the crap out of him. So I'm down to see more Akira Tozawa and Mike Bennett uh, Canellis. Yeah. I'm fine with that. We also had the major in-ring return, the, the return to the main event of 205 Live of Arya Davari, who had a match with Oni Lorcan. That was fantastic. Damn, Arya, where you been hiding those skills? No kidding. Man, this was great. I was shocked that he went over Oni Lorcan. They're obviously trying to heat him back up again. Um, I guess Davari's going to get a serious push. I think he should. He's obviously got, he's got it. So we now talent. know that Arya Davari is the number one contender to face Tony Nese for the Cruiserweight Championship. Yeah. Uh, okay. I would not have called that pairing, but I ain't mad at yeah, it. Yeah, if you if you had told me six months ago that we're going to have Arya Davari versus Tony Nese for the 205 Live Cruiserweight Championship, <laughs> I would have laughed my ass off and then said, oh my God, 205 Live is dead. But here's yeah. the funny thing. Watching it this week, it's still a good show. It's not dead. People just aren't watching it. It's still a really good show with some really good wrestling on it. So this could be the third hour that they add to SmackDown. Mark my words. I think uh, they're gonna. I think they might kill two of five live and bring it up to add a cruiserweight division to the main roster. All right. So you're calling cruiserweight for an hour. I'm calling half an hour Roman Reigns promos. <laughs> <laughs> Not for an hour, but I'm just saying. You know, bake it into add another championship to the SmackDown live roster. And it just finds it because we're only having two, maybe three matches on each show each week. You can fit that into an extra hour yeah. if, given that time and just shuffle everything hey, around. People were saying, how can you have Elias on SmackDown? There's not enough time for Elias segments at an hour. There you you go. got plenty of time for Elias segments. Real quick, man, we got to move on to New Japan before we get to the listener questions. New Japan, we just had the uh, Sengoku Lord show. Not really much happened, but I will say this. If you want to watch some good Japanese wrestling this week, go watch Kota Ibushi versus Zack Sabre Jr. Oh. for the Intercontinental Belt. Yummy. It was good stuff, as you can imagine. We're also about to begin the Best of Super Juniors tournament. Uh, they did announce the participants, but not the blocks. So I really have a hard time figuring out who I'm going to take as the winner of it this year without yeah. really knowing the blocks, although I do definitely have a couple of suspicions. Uh, the show is going to be May 13th through June 5th, and uh, the participants that we know of right now are Ryusuke Taguchi, Tiger Mask 4, Rocky Romero, Show and Yo, so all of uh, Rapongi 3K are going to be in the show. That's saying something. Hmm. Uh, we've got Will Ospreay. Nice. Taiji Ishimori, nice. El Desperado, no shock there. Takamichi Noku, of course, he's always in it. Yoshinobu Kanemaru, same. Bushi, same. Flip Gordon, look at him coming out to have a little action there. Depending on how injured he still is, we'll see how, we, how he does here. Uh, Titan, or Titan, sorry. Marty Skrull, Marty Skrull still kicking around New Japan. Look at him. Dragon Lee. Will be there. Nice. Robbie Eagles. Nice. Jonathan Gresham. Nice. Bandito. Yes. Hell yes. Hell yes. Shingo Takagi, who I still say is not a damn super junior. He's not a junior. <laughs> <laughs> He's just too huge. And uh, they said that the last person was X. But we're all pretty much sure it's going to be El Fantasmo. 
So, because he's, gotcha. he's he's starting to work New Japan a lot. So, lots of so, talent. Since we don't know the blocks here yet, I'm going to wait like you to call. Yeah. Like, I want to see how this all is going to shake itself out. But I'm curious. I thought Marty Skrull had moved up out of the juniors. I thought uh, he was. No, that's a, that was the whole story was that he was still in the juniors. And that's why he faced Okada at All In because he was still a junior. He never moved out of the juniors. It was uh, okay. Will, Will Ospreay is moving up out of the juniors. He was the never open right. weight champion. And he's trying to go heavyweight. By putting on weight, so it will be curious to see how they use him here. If he wins it, it might mean that he's staying in the juniors. If he doesn't, uh, depending on the storyline that they use, it might be because he is going to the heavyweights. Yeah. Well, stay tuned next week, guys. We should have the blocks laid out by then, and we'll be sure to go over our picks because uh, that is going to be a fantastic tournament. All right, Ian, we have got seven fantastic listener questions to go through this week. Thank you very much, patrons, for getting those in and submitting them to us for the show. If you'd like to get your questions in, head over to patreon.com slash BWO. Sign up for one of those tiers, the $5 tier or higher, uh, and every week for 5 bucks a month, every week you can uh, submit questions to us to answer live right here on the show. First up, we had Will. How do you see another Charlotte versus Becky title match turning out? Uh, ergo, finally moving past Charlotte or splitting off one of the belts to Charlotte with apparently another match for Becky against Lindsay Evans and maybe keeping Becky looking strong that way. Oh, uh, man. None of it sounds good. No. None of it sounds good. I mean, do you have Becky go over Charlotte, which makes Charlotte look bad? Do you have Becky? Do you have Charlotte beat Becky, which makes everyone infuriated? Uh, and have, have Becky just be your Raw champ and Charlotte's your SmackDown champ and then everyone's just pissed off at you? Yeah, the, the, that's what I see playing out. What, yeah, that's that's the most likely thing that they're going to do and have Charlotte be their champ on SmackDown going to Fox. But this, right. is, this is kind of what I'm saying is that this is why the Charlotte thing is just no good no matter what. There's no good outcome to having Charlotte versus Becky right now. There's yeah. none. Uh, so no matter what Becky they do... Becky loses to Charlotte. She's SmackDown. She beats Lindsay Evans and stays Raw. Women's champion. Yeah. Great. There we go. Whoop-de-doo. And people will... Uh, no one's going to be happy about that. Sure glad we spent the last year doing all of that work for that ultimate outcome. Yep. Thank you, Will. Great question. Jacob, next up. Who do you think the Hardys will face for the SmackDown tag titles with SmackDown having a seemingly bare tag division now with the Usos on Raw and the New Day focused on Kofi or Kevin Owens, I should say, they're focused on. Uh, the bar has split, doing yep. air quotes, right? So yeah. what do we think of the... Who are the Hardys going to go up and face now as the tag team champions? Who are their competition on SmackDown Live? Well, and the other que question is, is, is how injured is Jeff? Because Jeff supposedly has an injury. And I didn't he's know that. He's unable really? to wrestle. Yeah, so they might have to actually drop those belts depending on how injured Jeff is. And besides, they put it on the, the Hardys just to get them off the Usos in the first place. So yeah. I don't think the, the idea was to keep it on them for too long anyway. Um, I could see them putting it back on New Day. Heavy machinery I mean, would make sense as well and have them feud with Rusev and Shinsuke Nakamura. Um I, I mean, I would even like it if they put it on Rusev and Shinsuke Nakamura, for God's sake, just to give them some sort of legitimacy if they're going to keep them together as a tag team. Um, it but, stinks of another bar, though, if I'm being honest. Bar 2.0 with Rusev and Shinsuke, and it'll take a year for them to become a, a solidified thing, you know, like they did with the bar. It, that's just what it stinks of to me. I also have some, uh, uh, some like crazy uh, pie-in-the-sky po possibilities here as well. Okay. The Singh brothers, 
The B team, Ooh. the B team is also now officially on SmackDown, and it was never officially announced where the authors of Pain went. I'm just throwing that out there. Uh, also, also, Fandango apparently is healthy again, and Tyler Breeze ain't doing nothing. And Lord knows Xavier Woods has been begging for Tyler Breeze to come to SmackDown. So, Breezeango. So yeah, I, 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 I think, definitely would like bring Breezango back. I'm I'm just saying I don't think the SmackDown tag division is as bare as it initially seems. It 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 definitely does seem bare bones. You know, like right off the bat, Raw definitely gutted them and has a very strong tag division right now. But I think there are some some interesting possibilities that they could do here. Or there's the possibility the Hardys just retain for a while and and don't have matches and <laughs> ultimately they defend them. I don't know. Um, but yeah, heavy machinery is a good look, like I said, um, or perhaps back on the new day. But yeah. uh, if they're going to put, I'm, they're not going to put them on the club, not going to put them on the colognes, that's for sure. Yeah. Thank you, Jacob, for the question. That'll be interesting to see how that one plays out over time. Next up, Mr. Divian Draws. What are the predictions for the Man Mountain? I mean, Freak, who no longer has an accident. Lars seems to like just eating people up, but does it lead to him winning money in the bank does he fight Strowman who seems to be missing where is this going I'm assuming with Lars yes where, where do you see things going with Lars we talked touched on this a little bit earlier but let's talk about that well, more, going a little, little bit more, in depth. a little more long term I don't see him winning money in the bank I don't even know if I see him ah I don't even know if I see him being involved in the money in the bank match um well oh, the ladder match is technically no DQ he could come in and disrupt he could um, a la Kane. You know? Yeah. I don't know that I see him because of where he's feuding at right now or where he's, you know, he's mostly been attacking people in the mid card. So I kind of see him more staying down there and finding someone in the mid card to have a feud with. Um, I don't know off the top of my head who that would be. I don't either. Um, in, I'm trying to think who's in the mid card, who he could even have. a. a you've got, uh, you know, on, on SmackDown Live, Ali comes to mind uh or that's like that's kind of it that's the only i mean it's, face it's I can finn in the intercontinental title is the only like mid-card title that's there but i don't yeah, want him anywhere near finn and andrade right now no absolutely so i don't really know what they do with with lars right now. i suspect he's just going to keep eating up mid-card guys like our truth and and uh and we'll probably be doing that for a while i know you yeah. i know you wanted to move on nick but i think that the near future that i mean remember that's what they did with uh, both naya and braun they for for months they were eating up jobbers, uh, week in and week out, or Lacey Evans. I mean, God, how long was she walking the catwalk? If they want to put you in into a, a a holding pattern, they will. They'll put you in there for a while, and I think it could be a while before they find a place for Lars to click in. Yeah. So we'll see. Unless you know Kevin Owens gets him as a goon, that'd be that'd be interesting. That could be interesting. Yes, I didn't even think about that. Okay, thank you, Mister Divian, for that good question. Uh, next up, Kane. Hey guys. I love Drew McIntyre. Me too. I love the fact they separated him and Reigns to different brands. When do you think they will put the strap on him? It's got mm. to be soon, right? SummerSlam, maybe. I mean, so I that's when I was watching those triple threat matches this week. I actually thought we were going to get McIntyre and Styles in the number one contenders match and McIntyre winning to go up and face Seth for the Universal title. I thought that would have been good. Not strap him yet. But I think they could have run that all the way to SummerSlam. Yeah. And I, 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 God, Baron Corbin, just really? Okay. 
So we're still doing the Baron Corbin thing. <laughs> well, Baron Corbin's great because they, they want to use this heat that they still have on him. Right? Sure, still that Kurt, and they, I get that. They had the stink of Kurt Angle still on Baron Corbin, so they want to use that. That makes sense to me. Yeah. But uh, And Drew McIntyre, has he runs the risk of getting boring if he doesn't you know, get a bit more of an exciting few, singles feud going right now. He's starting to get into his own tropes, I feel. So, yeah, they've got to strap Drew McIntyre pretty soon or at least send him on the path to it. I would like to see him beat Seth at SummerSlam. That that sounds like a good plan. That sounds like a good timing for it. Or, you know what I would really like is somewhere... Let Seth have a bit of a reign with the damn Universal Championship. Let him have a bit of a honeymoon. Um, and, you know, hold off on the Money in the Bank cash in until later in the year. Have Drew just take that belt off him on a Monday Night Raw. Like, have him just, for like, whatever, however you want to set it up, have Drew just murder Seth on a Monday night, random Monday night raw. Drew just gets his hands on Seth during a weak moment and murders him. I, I actually have not ruled out yet. Drew McIntyre winning money in the bank. Yeah. Being, being Mr. Money in the bank. I think he would be a fantastic choice for Mr. Money in the bank. I do too. But like I always say with money in the bank winners, I prefer it when they're guys who wouldn't stand a chance otherwise. That's right. Fair. You know what I mean? Like, like the edges, like the, the smarmy heels, those are the great Dolph Ziggler. Those are the great Money in the Bank winners. The ones where you're like, you could have beaten him anyway, like Braun Strowman. Those are terrible ones. So McIntyre, he'd be fine as the Money in the Bank winner. He just wouldn't be great. And I think yeah. that they've had a few years in a row of having crappy Money in the Bank winners. It's time to get someone who we are excited to see with that briefcase. Baron Corbin, sorry. He's uh, already had it. Came- He's already had it, you son of a... No, I'm, I was referring to crappy Money in the Bank winners. Oh, yes. Then, then I agree. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, Kane. Uh, next up, Ed. Suppose Becky retains both belts at Money in the Bank. Who's next? Ooh. Who would... I mean, I, there, who, there are people who I would like to see be next. There are people who I think will, will be next. Um, you've got uh, Ember Moon, who I'd love to see get a shot at it. Bailey, I think this week showed... Bailey should win the Money in the Bank for the women. Is my opinion. Good call. Bailey yep. should absolutely win the money in the bank for the women. Especially or Ruby. After what they did this week. Uh, no, Bailey. <laughs> after what they did this week, Bailey should win it. Um, and then, man. Like that I said, slap put, in the mic out of Charlotte's hand got me hot. Yeah. In, in the, in the right way. To. I was like, oh, shit, yes. It was Bailey, come on. Uh, it, I would like it, to see, it did the right thing. Yeah, Ruby Wright, I think they could build her up on Raw and have her go for Becky, but I think they're going to have this Lacey thing go for a long time. I don't yep. think it's. I don't think Lacey's going to be done at uh, Money in the Bank. It's Alexa, Lindsay Evans, Alexa, right, right. Sorry, I think Alexa Bliss is also a possibility. As is Naomi over on Raw. Natalia said has said before she wants to come come for Becky, but those aren't quite as exciting. The one I'm most excited about that I think is a possibility is going to be Ember Moon, yep. and that's because they've locked up Oscar in a damn tag team. But uh, yeah, that's that's kind of where I see going with it. If, if she I wouldn't rule both out belts. putting both Kyrie Sane and Asuka in the women's Money in the Bank match. I, I you know, the, they've done it before. They've, they've the bar has been in there. You know, so, yep. uh, you could have a situation where an Asuka or a Kyrie Sane wins the Money in the Bank contract and goes back and gets the title. But like to your point, they're ones that could go get it on any given day. So yeah. I, I don't know. But it's also, I think, because they're they're going to be more interested in telling other stories with them. They won't put it yep. on them like Agreed. they didn't put it on a member of the bar. Agreed. Thank you, Ed, for the question. Uh, next up, Andy, you haven't really addressed this yet. 
But I'd like to know what your opinion is on the increase of commercial breaks uh, and their current placement during the USA shows. We have not. Is it ruining the product and the live experience? Does this play into the hands of AEW when they start TV tapings? Um, I'll, I'll start this one off, Nick. I freaking hate how they do commercials. I hated this back when it was WCW and they went to commercial in the middle of the match. I hate when they go to commercial in the middle of the match. The minute this match rolls on, I hate it. I've always hated it. I think it completely disrupts the match. It disrupts the flow of the show. Uh, if you're watching it live, it's you can tell when they go to commercial break. It 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 takes away from the immersion because you're like, oh, okay, we're going to rest holds. Must be oh, Topic on Hilo. There's a dive. Must be commercial time. Oh, they're they're in a rest hold. We're back from commercial. You know what I mean? Like I I can't stand it. I cannot freaking stand it. Um, and it it will be interesting to see how AEW runs its product. They have already said they want to be more sports oriented. They want wins and losses to matter. I mean, Tony Khan gave a gave an interview this week on YouTube. I mean, I'll post that in the group. It it uh, it lathered me up, Nick. It lathered me up. He said all the right things. He doesn't want to be an authority figure on the on the show. All this, all kinds of stuff. I was like, <laughs> talk dirty to me, Tony. But um, this this made me wonder if they would look at the WWE product in terms of how they time their show. And if they would do it in the same way, or if they would treat it more like a sporting event where you don't cut in the middle of the damn match, you don't cut ever cut away from the action. Or if you do every once in a while to keep the immersion, you have the match end during the commercial break, right? If you are, if you're saying we are being forced to go to commercial because the network is forcing us to go to commercial that we're, we're taping this live. We don't know what's going to happen every once in a while, throw us something crazy that happened during the commercial also, because that would drive people to go see your live shows. Yep. Because you don't want to see it interrupted. So, no, I have lots of thoughts on commercials and, and, and how much I hate them and how much I feel like they're, they're used poorly. Um, I don't mind the picture-in-picture picture when they do it on SmackDown, um, but it's still it's grating, it's annoying, and it pulls me out a little bit. So Yeah. Even when they show the replays while the match is going on and they make the replay bigger than the actual match, yeah. even that makes me mad a little bit. Yeah. You know? And then they have to say, like, oh, well, this just happened in the top left corner. Something just happened in the match. Okay, well, maybe if you'd let me see it, that would have been great. You know, they've got a lot of opportunities here with this tiered system as well that they're introducing on the network to be able to do a commercial-free version uh. or at least leave the taping run. And I'd pay 20 bucks a month to have the full show with no commercials. All right, money much bags, like the, damn. Much like the Hulu model. Listen, we're already giving 10 bucks a month to sit there for three hours. I, I don't, I don't want to have to sit through commercials. I'm paying you money to watch your programming and you're double dipping. Come on, it's, you don't get it both ways, but yeah. you are. So at, at, that's where I kind of stand on it. I've lived cable free now for six years i hate commercials i loathe commercials mm -hmm. and i've gone i've gone out of my way financially and technologically to avoid having to watch any commercials and it's worked out well i, mean, I was has, just i was just taping it has I, changed the way that i watch tv period i was actually it's funny i used to paint houses way way back in the day when i was a young buck and i was painting the inside of my old apartment to make it ready to 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 re-rent and I put my old radio out and I listened to the radio while I was doing it. I don't remember commercials being so obnoxious. I just am so used to not having commercials because I've cut the cable and I try to avoid them at all costs. And I just, it made me realize how much I freaking hate commercials. Yep. You know, I, I can't it's, skip, you, you, you can't you skip can't through turn, on the radio. No, you can't turn the radio on 
without having two minutes of somebody talking or a song playing and then 10 minutes of commercials. And AM radio is the worst. It's yeah. why podcasting blew up the way that That's it did. People got tired of it. You know what we don't have in the middle of our show, Nick? Commercials. Commercials. Yep. Not yet, at least. <laughs> because of all of you wonderful, wonderful patrons yes. that support this show. And the more that continues to grow, the less likely it is we will have commercial interruptions. But then again... Just keep that in that's, mind. That is very true. But then again, Mountain Dew has not come calling yet. And when, but when they true. do, when they do, I will take that endorsement. Oh, my God. I'm not going to try and sell you guys underwear or blue chew unless they have a big check. <laughs> anyway. Or, or, car, or cars. Was it cars.com? Anyway. Andy, that's a fantastic question. I'm going to make a note of that one for uh, for a potential bonus episode in the future because that could be a big, that's just big pro- conversation. Just in general production, yeah. Yeah. Uh, next up, Trevor. What's your thoughts on the commentary during Robert Roode's match? <laughs> While this is the first time I can actually remember laughing out loud to a Corey Graves comment, does it take away from the in-ring product? Commentators mm. are supposed to put a wrestler or storyline over. Mm. I feel most of the time they just talk or argue with each other with little regard for what's actually happening in the ring. Mm-hmm. Maybe this is a bad example because mm-hmm. Rude's mustache is definitely a part of his new gimmick, but pick any other match, and this happens a lot. You know, it's funny. I went back and listened to some old like Bobby Heenan and, and Gorilla Monsoon stuff, and that's all they did was bicker. But they also called the match, and I think that's, it's an art that is being lost in, uh, in modern commentary is being able to do both and balance both. And Corey Graves, let's be clear, I think Corey Graves is freaking brilliant i think that uh, he has a lot of zingers i've laughed out loud at some of his lines many times um and i do know that one of his uh one of the things he tries to do on commentary is crack up the other commentators he's, he's said it in interviews that he's actually he tries to make the other other commentators break and he knows that he's really done it right when michael cole breaks up because he says it's so hard to break michael cole but when he gets him, it's the greatest feeling in the world. <laughs> um, and you can see it on SmackDown where like all the time those guys are cracking each other up over yeah. there. They did it this week. They had a, they had a great, I forget, I forget when it was, but he, I think it was when he uh, called out Tom Phillips on, on the thing you call at the top of the show. And he, and he, he, he called him he out. He still on got it. a settle to score. Yeah. And I think he called him out on that and he called, said, you know, the round much more and totally broke down all the entire desk. That's fun stuff. I enjoy that, but get back to the damn match. And I know that's yeah. not Corey's job. That's the that's the straight man's job. That's Tom Phillips. That's that's Michael Cole's job to be calling the match. Cole is terrible at calling the match because he's got his mind on on all the hashtags and commercial stuff he's got to say and all the all the catchphrases. Um, Phillips is much better at it, but it is still it is still a beef. It's why it's one of the things I referenced in my rant at the top of the show is that. There is an issue right now with commentary not being focused on what they're there for because the WWE is more of a sports entertainment product. It's not a sports first product. Like we were just saying, AEW is saying it's going to be. You know, if you go, if you go listen to New Japan and when you've got Don Callis on there and, and Kevin Kelly, Kevin Kelly has some tropes that he does that I don't, I don't always enjoy, but man, he's much better. He's such a better commentator than what you're getting at WWE. And Don Callis plays that smarmy Bobby the Brain Heenan heel color guy so well. But they never take away from the match, and I, absolutely, I, I it's it is frustrating when you have a gimmick boiled down to a single trait, and they just harp on it, harp on it, harp on it over and over and yeah. over again. Um, it Michael Cole sometimes does it, and it makes it uncool. He he can take anything cool and make it uncool in thirty seconds or less. It's it's an amazing talent that he has, um, and luckily Corey is not. I think Corey tries to 
put them over and stick to the match, but he even he gets down his own rabbit hole of trying to crack everybody up. Yeah, and it's or make you know punny references to metal bands and stuff like that. You know, right, right. They're they're fantastic. Don't get me wrong, but I agree with you. It it can get a little bit overdone sometimes with him. My my favorite part is Corey and and Saxton. I mean, for the last couple of years, yes. those two have just been absolute money. And and I'm at a point now where I do think Tom Phillips needs to be uh, the full time guy on both shows. He's much. He's very good. And I noticed. It's, I noticed no. No big dog this week when Roman came out. He did not say, it's the big dog. He just... It's his yard now. It's his, no, it was just, and here comes Roman Reigns. He looks like he's, you know, it was very much to the point. It didn't make, it didn't make me cringe. So that, I appreciated that a lot. Awesome question, Trevor. Thank you very much. And thank you to the rest of the patrons that got all of our questions in. Again, guys, if you want to get your questions in every single week here on the show, head over to patreon.com slash BWO. Sign up for that $5 tier or higher. You can, you're welcome to give more if you want some more content and stuff and stuff and things and things and stuff. Uh, patreon.com slash BWO. But Ian, we're not done. We've got just enough time for our other news lightning round. Beep, 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 oh beep. my goodness. Yes, we're going to start off right away with uh, a record was broken. Uh, holy crap. The Young Bucks versus the Lucha Brothers in Mexico drew 5.4 million viewers on Azteca Damn. 7 TV. Holy crap. Uh, the Young Bucks did retain the AAA uh, tag team title belts. But five, let me say that again. 5.4 million people watched AAA with the Young Bucks defending the belts against the Lucha Brothers. 5.4 million. On an average week, Raw and SmackDown draw in the low two millions. That's how uh, many aver- people... I'd say like 1.5, 1.8 average. Uh, it's even... It's just under two. It's... It's not as it, this is a yeah, lot of people. It's watch. less than half of this. <laughs> this, this also it shows you how popular Lucha, Lucha Libre is in, is in Mexico. But yeah. my God, that was a record uh, for them. So that's that's unbelievable. Uh, Sasha Banks is willing to sit out the rest of her contract as of this point. That means she could be sitting on the shelf for a while before we see her again. Man, she must be fed up. Luke Harper is also not released from his contract wwe is not letting him go which means they're also going to tack on the extra time that he was injured so not only does he have to sit out till november is to sit out for six months after that and then possibly a 90 day no compete so luke harper also gonna be on the shelf for a long time because wwe is a jealous mistress fickle 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 uh nia jacks nick nia jacks news this week as we mentioned she did have her surgery she it was successful and she is now home resting so you can rest assured nick she will be back to wrestle again as soon as she is done healing and rehabbing so rest easy my friend undertaker and kurt angle we said last week they were still going to be at starcast 2 in vegas over a double or nothing weekend that is no longer the case apparently they have been pulled from StarCast 2. WWE was able to get them out of that contract. We were saying last week how amazing it was that uh, they were in that contract to begin with, that they were able to, uh, Conrad Thompson was able to hold them in that contract. Apparently, it did not hold up. It did not last. And uh, WWE got them back. Uh, apparently, Conrad Thompson said to the WWE, look, if you're going to take both Undertaker and Angle, can you at least give me someone in return, say Stephanie or Triple H? 
or Shawn Michaels, and I will. They can you can take their fee that they would get for the show and donate it to Connor's Cure, and then I'll match it cent for cent. So you'd have a huge influx of money to Connor's Cure, and he has not heard anything back. Unsurprisingly, of course not. So now he's now he was told no one on the actual roster could be used at the show. Uh, they made a new contract with uh, Angle and Undertaker that they were still on the roster, albeit as alumni. Uh, so much for the whole independent contractor thing. Right. But uh, now he's asking for Shawn Michaels because apparently Shawn Michaels is no longer on the active roster. So we'll see if that we'll see if that happens. Uh, basically, right. I don't expect to see WWE talent, uh, active WWE talent at StarCast 2. WWE is, is shut. They, they shut in the gates. They shut in the gates. They know they're in a war. So uh, Backlash, speaking of wars, Backlash has been rescheduled. As we said, it was going to be initially... Uh, one of the pay-per-views coming up, but no longer because of the Saudi Arabia show that we still have yet to hear about. But apparently Backlash has been rescheduled for June 23rd in Tacoma. So we will be steady, we will still be getting a Backlash pay-per-view, just albeit at a different time. Right. Uh, we were wondering who AEW's The Librarian character was going to be. They had an open casting call for it. A little bit of everybody came out wanting to be The Librarian. Right now, apparently it's down to two. According to their tweets, uh... It's strange. We had uh, Matt Jackson tweet that Leva Bates was the librarian. We had Cody tweet that Peter Avalon was the librarian. Not sure what's going on there, but I'm not mad. I'm not mad at either of them. Leva Bates, of course, you might know better as Blue Pants. So having her there as librarian would be very interesting indeed. Alexander Wolf, we didn't talk about NXT UK this week, but but we called this. We did say this. Alexander Wolf said bye bye WWE, but he didn't say bye bye everybody. He went over to NXT UK, and sure enough, they reformed RingConf, albeit under a different name. I think it's called. I didn't actually get it in my notes. It's like called uh, the because of the D, but uh, I didn't have that in my notes. But they did reform RingConf. Walter, Marcel Barthel, and Fabian Eichner, and now uh, Alexander Wolf are the new faction over there in NXT UK. Mm. Yes, Dimates Heilig. Dimatis Heilig! I love it. Can't wait to see what they do with them. Tony Storm, speaking of NXT UK, she defended her NXT UK belt on Worlds Collide against Nikki Cross and Bianca Belair in a triple threat. It was a, a decent match. Eh, it was fine. It was just cool to see the three of them in the ring together. Uh, also, speaking of women's wrestling, Jazz was the NWA women's title, uh, women's champion, excuse me. She relinquished that title due to, quote, medical and personal issues. And the title will now be awarded to the winner of Allison Kay and Santana Garrett at the Crockett Cup this Saturday. The title will be handed to the winner of that match by Medusa. Medusa herself will be there to hand off that title. And then finally, Ring of Honor. Ring of Honor news. We know that War of the Worlds is coming up on May 12th. We have officially signed the tag team title match for that. Gorillas of Destiny, who currently have the tag team titles, will be defending against the Briscoes. That's going to be an absolutely outstanding match. There, this whole match was set up on basically on social media, and if you have not been seeing the social media, those two guys, those two teams, excuse me, have been throwing back and forth. Go check it out. You've never heard so many expletives in wrestling in your life. <laughs> I don't know. I did watch the G one with Tama Tonga last year, so that is true. Well, that he's <laughs> t- again. Tama's back to his old tricks. Yeah, he's uh, and, and the Briscoes are following suit. Oh, so I love it. It's a it's Brilliant. a lot of it's a lot of fun and we will be talking about War of the Worlds a little bit more as we get closer to it. That's going to that's going to be a hell of a match. Yeah. 
I'll just put that out there. Well, guys, there you go. There's our show for this week. Thank you very much for tuning in. Always happy to have you. Thank you again to our patrons for your patronage and our listener questions. But also come over and join us in the Busted Wide Open discussion group on Facebook. Send us a join request. We'll get you right in. Follow us on Twitter at BWO Podcast, YouTube at youtube.com slash C slash Busted Wide Open. And we love our patrons. Please come over and join us. Patreon.com slash BWO. But I'm Nick Howell. You can find me on Twitter at Data Center Dude. I am Surrey and Dangerous. You can find me on Twitter at Surrey and Dangerous. But my God! Somebody stop the damn match! This show is part of the Orbital Jigsaw Network. For more episodes, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. For details and show notes from each episode, check us out. OrbitalJigsaw.com